0: welcome
1: to episode 36 of the pro painted podcast um so second episode of um a new format and this is going to be a bit of a mixed episode um as we're going to be chatting um overall techniques on how to paint monsters and tank stroke vehicles um so we're still lucky enough to be joined by mr gilmore how are you my friend good
2: mate yeah all good excellent so just- just waiting in the hot weather for the for a baby to arrive. Yeah, so Very exciting.
1: We've got you for a, yeah, a few precious minutes for the for the start of the episode. So uh, don't don't. Well, obviously the listeners will be disappointed when you uh, when you suddenly disappear. But we'll have you for a little while. And yeah. uh, I'm. You know, there's
0: that. You know, there's that meme of like. Um, there's always two, isn't there? There's one uh, of Thor in Thor Ragnarok and then um, Daenerys in Game of Thrones. So, in that like squinting, really? Yeah. Like thing. Yeah, will they really miss him? <laughs> really? I don't know,
1: will they? <laughs> it's <laughs> funny you should say that. Really? So, um, obviously, you can hear you can hear Rob he there just ber- the berating Ian for a little while. Um, the I don't know if you've caught any of the new, well, not new, but the, the content that Facehammer have been putting out on YouTube.
2: I no. no i haven't had a chance
1: so um it's all great obviously and what they do they record their podcast um and then you know that's as a podcast format and then they're, they're breaking it down and releasing it on youtube in in the section so saying like we're going to talk about auxiliary objectives in this one but what they did do which i thought was really good and maybe in the future we might be able to do this is um they did like an army showcase on Terry Slanesh that he's finished recently, and obviously because it's YouTube, they've got the images and stuff up, which they're the screen sharing while they're talking, and it's really good to see, you know, yeah. those those pictures and things. So, if we were doing that, that would have been a perfect time to put one of those memes in.
0: Yes, yes, yeah. good. That's a long way round to. Uh, well, you know, be good, put you know, but like yeah, a no, good face and a shout out. Love you boys. I will catch up on your YouTube content.
1: Yeah, it, it's. It it's really enjoyable because it's in nice chunks and you know you know what you're watching. They've been quite clever doing that. You can still listen to the podcast. The thing is, I I listen to the podcast and then like a day or two later they upload the videos to YouTube. Um, so uh, I basically watch their content twice. That's fine because you're listening twice. and then. For the second time you get to see their sexy faces and um you know wh- whatever they're sharing on their screens at the time so who knows maybe the next well,
0: step- maybe, maybe, maybe they'll cater to the to the three main type end up catering to the main three types of learning which is audio visual and then touching so maybe you'll have like a <laughs> vr kind of well they have those thing. they have those like well, sex toys that- don't
1: they where they're linked over the internet
0: yeah, like the grinder attachment for yeah. my dwarf. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. But well, no, those yeah.
1: actually exist. They're, they're, oh, they're really? A thing because they just just work off Rob the internet. Jumps on the internet.
0: <laughs> 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 oh, anyway, yeah. Hi, hi, everyone. You all right.
1: What, what a start! What a start! <laughs> and yes. So, one, why, why we've got Ian before. Um, you know, who, it'd be amazing if we're recording and the baby arrives. Like, oh, I still want that to happen. Oh.
2: Yeah, it would be good, but I'd probably just be um, slightly panicked goodbye (laughs) (laughs) and then I'd be gone.
1: Well, on on that note, with all this patient waiting, um, obviously you regaled us um, with your painting progress on your mangler squig. And that went really, I don't know if you saw, went down really well on Twitter as well. Some great comments on there, you know, a lot of interaction. So that was great to see, especially for your shit awful photos.
2: Thank you. Um, Yeah, it's been quite enjoyable. So I finished that. Essentially, all I've done is um, finished that particular squig. Um, So it's ready to go on the base um, when it gets to that stage. Uh, I'm on to the next one now. So I'm back painting yellow squig skin, which is quite, um, well,
1: it is what it is. It's, like, it's kind of like the reset button, isn't it? Like, you've done one. Yeah. It's like you have done one. Go all the way back to the start. It's It feels yeah. like a good idea to start with when you do the first one, right?
2: It does, yeah. Especially when I've got another mangler squid to do. Oh, yeah. Like, like, so I've got a second one to do. So I've got, another, got to do it another two times after this.
1: Are you doing more um, yellow, Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's quite... But, um, once it's done, that's the... What's, uh, yeah, I think everybody else... So the only thing I've got to do apart from the mangler we're painting for the mangler squig is the um it comes with a little set of mushrooms. Okay. And it's two and it's two big mushrooms. Uh with like a little spoo type mushroom in between. So I've been quite, you know, um sentimental and painted one the big two of the bigger ones, one blue, one pink. Right. And the and the um the smaller one's gonna be the baby mushroom. So whatever sex the baby comes out is gonna paint in that colour. So yeah. Very ah. sentimental, you know, yeah. Getting
1: emotional
2: in my old age. Yeah,
1: yeah. Definitely. That's all I've done. Cool. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, I don't know about you, obviously we want to bang on about it's hot in the UK at the moment, but um, it certainly killed my motivation to do any painting hobby um, for the last few days. Um, yeah. Because I certainly I paint because I, I work at home during the day and then it's like cool I get to do some painting at the moment I'm like oh it's so hot I don't want to paint um, so I, luckily um, I've mentioned that um, our good friend Ricky Mees running his um, his, his his local campaign which is uh, AOS Realm Shift which you can follow um, on, on Twitter which is at AOS underscore Realm Shift um, and I I knocked out my second month's instalment of models in the first four days um because i was really on a roll um so it's more models for my anvils of the heldenhammer um which it was quite nice actually they um uh, the twitch stream for warhammer community picked them up and had them on their their stream i think yesterday um which would be tuesday um and I don't know if you've seen it's funny i mentioned this previous episode you uh, i was talking about some of these cool schemes people have done with the anvils am- of the held in hammer like with the school masks um and i was asking who had done it no one had photos and it's just in the actual army book um i did exactly the same thing again with how <laughs> <laughs> how how to tackle the wings on the venator so i know i'd seen somewhere they'd done like a pinky purpley fade out to white and I was looking all over the internet for it, I couldn't find it. Um and I grabbed my book to um look at artifacts for something, and I was like, Oh, it's just on that Celestine Prime again, it's just how they painted the wings. So I wasted like a good half a day trying to research how they've done these wings and it's just in the fucking book again. Um but actually I don't know if have you ever had to tackle the, the prosecutor style wings before? No, they look horrific. I, I've learned now is that you just don't line highlight them. Like they, if, if you can spend the time to do it, they do look great. But you really need to get a smooth transition to, for it to work nicely. Um, and I've tried a couple of approaches in the past. I've done a bit of airbrush with some line highlights. Um, I've done dry brushing. Um, this time, I actually just said to myself, screw it. I'm just going to use the fade from the airbrush to paint them. So that's all I've done. I like, uh, started with a white undercoat and um, worked through a pink to a to a purple. And that's it. There's, I'm not bothered with anything else. And I think it looks really good. I'm really quite pleased yeah, with it. it looks,
2: yeah, I like them. looks cool. It's just dead simple. Saw them somewhere.
1: Yeah, it's just, just yeah. nice and easy. Um, and then I've added some extra bones and stuff. But uh, nobody's kind of mentioned it yet. But I've I've got, like, the, um, the Citadel skull box. And it's got little bird heads in it, little bird skulls. Uh, And I've put them top and bottom of his bow to kind of keep the symmetry of it. And I can imagine they're just the the skulls of his previous other two birds. They've just got their heads kicked in. It's just like, just keep that skull. He was a loyal companion. Stick it on the front of my bow. He'll keep guiding my shots in his death. Um, And then it was the first time I've had to tackle uh, the kind of the wildlife aspect. Um, And I wanted to sort of kept to the purple tones. Because I want them to look like they're beasts that belong in Shai'ish um and but i've used i i've kept to the range so i've kept to the pinky purpley range but not used the paints i've used on the base does that make sense yeah so i thought that might be a bit weird so i didn't want to confuse them so they're a little bit darker they don't have the bright pink tones but again you know their birds are just dry brushed uh i did it a, a quick airbrush black fade around the wingtips um and yellow beaks and yellow feet more do you want to more do you want with that?
0: And, um, I was going to say, um, how, how do you differentiate the colours from the base? But you uh, just explained yourself. I was going to say one thing about, um, and just to quickly interject, whilst uh, it's still fresh in my mind, um, if you are uh, the, the like line highlighting or edge highlighting um, surfaces that have transitions in them, yeah, um, was something that um, I'd, I've kind of. Well, I'll say self-taught myself. I haven't really looked at any. I kind of came up with the thought myself, you know. So and there wasn't really a
1: way of, of doing
0: it. Well, no, 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 no. I wouldn't say that. I've just kind of, you know, by just using my head, um worked out how it's done. I guess. But um I think I'll use again, head, I used my head and get paint everywhere. Well, <laughs> if. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, especially with the zinc stuff, obviously you know, there's a lot, a lot of, uh, especially um, I'm specifically looking at it now, but the, the cloak on, on the, on the gaunt summoner or the, the robe or skirt or whatever you want to call it. Um, and I mean, it might sound obvious, but if, if anyone is struggling with, you know, and it, again, with the stuff on my silver net and, and all the rest of it, but you know, if people are struggling to do that and it can look quite, um, like having, like a, a, a fade from say a, a a purple to a pink to a white, just edge highlighting, um, you know, like the the, the the color, like the the top end color that you would like a like say if you're fading to a slightly off white, and then with the idea of highlighting that off white with a with a pure white, using that edge highlight on the darker recesses will look stark and it will it will it will almost dead the the fade. Yep. a little bit it will, yeah. it, it will just, it just lose that impact um it's kind of it's kind of the opposite of what we what we spoke about in previous episodes about what byron said about using um certain things to hide fades it almost does the opposite and like
1: you're so, working against so the fade, though, you're right? working against
0: it so well, the, the, what i learned, learned quite soon was use say you you're you're, you're you're graduating from. This is where it's important to like note down what paints you're using and stuff. But if you're fading, say from uh, azurias purple to screamer pink to like an off white color, maybe like a like a light bone color or something like that, um, is to edge highlight the the Zarius purple, perhaps with maybe like a if you're doing a two stage highlight, do a mix of the serious purple and the next color that you're transitioning to like a screamer pink so I mix of those two first until you get to the pink but then use as your top highlight screamer pink on the xereus purple and then you'll know when you'll need to stop because it will meet the screamer pink in the sure. middle of the transition okay. yeah that's um, point. and then then repeat the process with the next two paints so say, for instance, I mean, it, you know, it doesn't necessarily create a good f- a fade or whatever, but say if you're um, going from Xeris Purple to Screamer Pink to morgast Bone or something like that, like a really light bone colour, then obviously do the Screamer Pink, highlight the Screamer Pink with the Screamer Pink morgast Bone, and then morgast Bone through to the morgast Bone, and then transition from the Morgas Bone to a to a, a white 50-50 with gas Bone, and then highlight, so you're you you've got the blend on the wings say um through the three main color stages but you're also blending your highlight
1: sure yeah
0: as well you're fading your highlight as well so the the highlight is it's almost like that one stage like it's almost like a layer on photoshop where you've you've got the you've taken the um, the three main colors of your main fade but then just lightened each one with the color Next to it, and brought it up a step, and then just run that across the, the highlight. So, I don't know if that makes sense, but no. that's kind of like how I it does. I tackled think... the Gorn Sun of this <laughs> thing because it looks looks natural. Then you know the yeah. the darker you know because the darker stuff is being highlighted with the lighter stuff on the same surface, so it it flows into it, it all flows into each other, and then it doesn't sometimes. You know, like I've, I've noticed on my console, it can sometimes be a bit too subtle, and you do have to go back and, and perhaps do a, like a sharper line on it. But to, to get that, and this is how a lot of cloaks are done. It's a, it's a, it's a similar sort of concept to layering on cloaks and stuff like that that you see a lot of. You know, you see a lot of stuff online, but yeah, that's kind of that. So sorry for the slight aside, but
1: no, I we think we are a
0: hobby podcast. Oh, yeah, cool.
1: you've. um I think what you've basically done is explained what we all know we should probably do um but it's such a ball ache that <laughs> yeah um you know like i said i'm happy the average just did it and that and i can just move on because with my even with my um my blood angels in the past um where they've got the like the sanguinary guard have the the white wings um you know i've gone um trying to think which way i went with it um ceramite white blue glaze uthwan white and it's fine it looks good but it's an awful lot of work but you can't you you could get away with doing a fade if you just did a nice fade on the wings i think it just gets over the hassle of having to do all that um so yeah and it's been it's been great to get those done a real a real inspiration for um painting more of those they've kind of they're a little bit more high-end than blood angels but they're still as rewarding to paint it's you know i nailed them out quite quick um i had five judicators as well which um i've built so many judicators now over the years where they're, they're a bit of a fiddly kit um and just out of interest
2: matt how many crossbows
1: have you built like uh, zero <laughs> <laughs> i i have a bits box i was actually i was rooting through my bits box earlier for a new project and i was just like look all these crossbow bits what can i do with all these the answer is nothing because they're shit um you never know hopefully we'll do a new stormcast book at some point, and they'll make crossbows better than bows and everyone have to go out and change all the models over nice. yeah, yeah there. It's, it's a nice little tip but um and also to kind of finish off some projects i painted um i've convert what well, i basically my more crusher is the last model i need to do um to upscale for my blackrock um iron jaws list um so it was all base coated uh, and washed for paul's um dogger Invitational event. Um, last year um and it's the last model to upscale um and to be honest i mean he's still sat there in my eyeline looking at me like that more crusher is intim- intimidating the shit out of me because i know it's going to take some i want to do it properly and i want to highlight all the scales obviously ian you've been through this journey um yeah. and i've done a transition fade with the airbrush he's got like a lighter belly color underneath so i need to tackle him at some point um but i I Because, again, what GW's done, they've they've made the... There's two weapon options on the Moor Crusher, and I've just magnetised them now. So I've ended up having to paint four as many arms. All the hands are magnetised. And also I've added... I wanted a bit more height to him, um, so I created a banner. Um, I made um, this kind of metal-looking one out of plasticard a few years back to go with an old planned army. Um, but the iconography still suits um, this Blackrock army. And that came out really nice. I've actually magnetised that on for ease of transport. Um, and with the way I kind of roughed up the plastic card slightly and the way I painted the metal, it's just it's popped off beautifully. and I'm really, really happy with that. Um, and then I moved on to um, the rider himself, who's um, in, in the vein of the rest of my iron jaws. He's got extra rents in his armour with, armor with all the flame coming through. Um, and I scratch-built, and it is genuinely a scratch-built conversion, is a, it's a Dreadnought, uh, an Orc Dreadnought close combat weapon. So it's like a buzzsaw blade on a stick. Uh, mm-hmm. It's got, like, two, like, pincers at the front, which obviously would, like, latch onto something and let him buzzsaw it. Um, but then I've, I've built, like, a little power box and everything for it. So it's a- actually made out of... Um, it's a combination of engine rigger like bits and um, part of the shock prodder from the uh, the runt herder that you get with the goblin box, and then added the uh, like fiery rents onto that as well. And I'm really really pleased with him. I got him all painted up in my so it's like a dark armour with lots of silver chips and everything. It's quite a good version of how I paint my my anvils, taking a bit more time with it, and there's some different glazes on there. So he's he's sat. Um, just like he's actually lying down in my cabinet at the moment, waiting for his more crusher to be finished. So, I need to get that on. But that's it for my hobby. So, two weeks I've literally done, I as well suppose as that's not too bad. I suppose I painted a basically painted a mega boss, a venator, five judicators, three other wings. So, that's all right. Um, it's just the last few days can't be bothered. Um, so, um, that's me covered. Uh, Rob, how about yourself? What you've been up to?
0: Um, you said loads before we were about to record. Necrons. So I. I've, uh, <laughs>
1: Necrons.
0: Necrons. Um, Have you assembled
1: any more drunk? Because people loved that.
0: Uh, no, no. Well, think, do you know what was I? Uh, yeah, I was um, maybe uh, the what's it called the giraffe looking reanimator thing. I was a little bit tipsy when I. Uh, when i put that, that boy together
1: gi- i was looking for oh, no, no, like, i'm not even gonna tell you what it's called it's just the gi- giraffe looking reanimator thing
0: yeah right so this is this is quite funny um on on the, uh, on the base there's um i think it might be like an admec uh Castellax robot power fist like is um debris oh, okay. on, the, on the bottom Fuck me, well I I was looking forever where to put that piece on the actual model itself. (laughs) So i thought well this is this is pretty straightforward and like this kind of looks like something that would perhaps go underneath it somewhere or like a bit of its carapace or something no but it was something for the base so that took about a half hour to work out so i couldn't be to <laughs> dig out the um so you had a
1: power the... fist you were trying to work out where it went
0: yeah and uh i couldn't be to dig out the instructions out the Indominus box because it was under a load of crap in the garage um so that was that but i've i've um to put that together well kind of put it together because obviously the, the great thing about a lot of the models is we know is push fit so yeah um you know the, the, I mean there is no way on earth that that the box art for that was painted not sub-assembled <laughs> no fucking way because well, you just physically can't get to certain parts of it somebody knows it's not like that a knows. skill or an effort thing it's you know so it's it, But the great thing with the push fit models so obviously you can push them all together, you know, base coat them, wash them, you know, undercoat them, whatever. Um, and then, you know, sort of pull them back apart again a little bit. Um, but with, with like, um, like I think we mentioned it on the last pod podcast, like the Scorpeth Lord, he's quite, you know, I've put him together completely. Like I've, I've glued some parts of it. Um, I'm thinking right okay, well, that'd be quite easy to paint. Um, and then left some other parts, but actually looking at him now, I'm looking on my desk. Like I don't think that there's any part of him that necessarily need sub assembling sure. Um, because of how wide the stance is and how open his arms are and stuff. Which I don't know whether that's. I mean, I, again, we, we mentioned on the other on the other cast. But I don't, I, is that a consideration maybe with some of these models? Um, yeah. That they're e- that they're easier to paint once all together. You know, maybe. Um now, I'm sure things like that do cross the designer's mind that they don't want to make things too much of a pain in the ass to, to paint, you know?
1: Well, but then certain,
0: uh, certain other models lend them not to, like we said again, the slaves to darkness stuff. Like um, just just a know. simple
1: thing of having, you, you say that, but you know, it looks cool having a model with its gun across its chest you know and that's that is one of the most annoying things painting around when fully assembled so i don't i don't yeah, think no. put that much thought into it but it was a little tiff actually that um i actually quite liked nice and simple um uh that terry mentioned on that episode of um face i'm talking about slanesh which i'll put a link in the, the description for this um which is uh, uh, historically if i've done anything as sub assemblies and need to put it back together again i just scrape the wear the undercoat or wear a painted over the blue connection it. points um, just for the night. Even. Um, but he said what he does, he just puts a little tiny, tiny little bit of blue tack just over the connection point, mm. and uh, just take yes, it off and you're done.
0: Yeah, why haven't you not been doing that like from the very beginning? If I you embodied. absolute mentalist. <laughs> yes, that's what you should be doing. Right, Little well, blobs of blue tack, so you've got contact points and you're look, going back together again. Look, Can Rob, you, tell you, you don't sub-assembly much.
1: I am not. Yeah, I, I am new. not. I am not. I am not the the king of sub-assemblies <laughs> like you. I very much paint stuff fully oh. assembled. That's yeah. how I roll. Um, no, but no,
0: that is, that is, I don't think we've, we've probably not mentioned that, but that is a really good tip. I mean, I've never heard of it you before, know, oh,
1: so, yeah, there
0: you go. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, you know, a lot of times you'll you'll pin stuff and, and pop it on a cork or whatever. Um, but, yeah, you know, you are right, having those little um, contact points. And especially with um, push-fit models, it's just so much easier to determine where these things are going to go. The, the other thing I would suggest with a lot of these push fit stuff is and you know this is just on assembly as well as anything not sub assemblies but just when you're building them um from scratch and again this is something that's probably you know out there and and is well known is to trim the pegs down slightly absolutely Uh, yeah um just have got a bit more you know because otherwise they just don't go they you'd have to really put too much pressure on them and it it just makes it just that much easier but you know take a couple of mil off the clippers and even half the peg because they'll still guide in, and they'll still go where they need to go, um, and I I, I I hope that most people actually do glue their push fit stuff together rather than just whacking them on. But the, the, the other great thing <laughs> we we'll would have to start the, testing the,
1: the, it at events before we put people up for paint yeah. nominations. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can I just check this um, model a minute? Uh, no, sorry, The, the not other good thing them. as well is uh, the, with, with, with the domino stuff, um, and again with the Necron things, and you know it does help with. You know, painting um, sort of fully assembled models is that you don't you know, the, the the bases are pre like hold for the pegs that are on their feet and, and whatnot. So you can actually pop them on the base without actually gluing them in. And that would allow you if need be if you need to get to like the underbelly or something or, you know, which a lot of these Necrons and Marines have, you know, on the underside, you know, a different painting from different angles. So you can always just pop the base off. Um, obviously make sure you've got um, you know you're wearing a glove or you've got clean hands or you've you've masked where you're gonna be holding if it's something that's gonna be something that you have finished already. But yeah, popping the base off easily enough that allows you to you know, get to certain angles and, and paint different things. But no, I I've I've been um I've assembled I've been working mainly on the the Lord from the box. Um The Lord, the Lord
1: it, a Necron Lord. The
0: overlord, yeah. And and just been blocking I mean I, again went I, I started with the the lead belcher base and went with the with a coat of um the Ballis something or rather grey Ballis palliscanum balliscanum palliscanum grey um and then went over with snake bite leather uh, on sure. con, with contrast <laughs> silicon that's the one over the gold um but I lo- because
1: I love the way Ian the- pronounced the last part of that
0: the um but the because the greys had already dulled it down, it was a little bit dark and it, it didn't really pop. So I went back over the, the the bits that I want to be the gold with just a just the basic silver, um, storm hose silver I think I use the runefang still maybe. Um and then applied the contrast over those just to help the gold pop a little bit more. And I think it works well. Um again this is gonna be more of a tabletop thing with like I said, the extra just the extra details put into the centerpieces and the blades and, and the glow in the, the rib cages and stuff. So, you know, the, but the main the main body of the miniatures are going to be contrast basically, and, and and like like the way they come out, the Scorpion looks cool with his he's had his coat of um, grey on it. One thing I will say, and I put it in the chat, um, you get a much different finish if you put contrast through an airbrush.
1: Yeah, and if it's you not do
0: the same. on with a brush, it just doesn't. It's just not the same. It tints it rather than. Yeah, I actually, it just gives it an overall tint rather than does doing what contrast is designed to do.
1: Yeah, I really like contrast airbrush.
0: Yeah, I mean it, it's great. It's great for you know, different applications, and and for, I can imagine for for doing because of the, the viscosity and, and and how you know how it goes down, for doing blends on big models and stuff, which we'll get to. Um, I imagine it worked wonders but to actually do the thing that is
1: yeah you're sort of you're kind of to, to do
0: yeah yeah you 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 you're not you're not getting that but you know it's great for you know it works well as a tint it works well as a as a glaze you know once you do put it through a brush so that'd be something that I'd be quite interested in um sort of trying out with you know some uh, you know, with, more with my zinc and stuff when I get back into into that kind of thing especially with Egrim on the dragon and and stuff it'll be quite interesting to see um how that kind of works um but as far as the actual Necrons itself it had so much more of a different finish to how you know the because I've done a I've done a, a normal Necron Warrior the Overlord and the Illumina um in the one style and then I, I, I put the contrast through the airbrush over the score or, and it, it just came up looking completely different so I went back yes. over with a base case of lead, lead, lead Belcher and, and we did it with a brush then but again with the um, the giraffe reanimator thing um, you know I did notice <laughs> that you know you, you, with contrast and you know perhaps it's something that we can move on to with doing the, the vehicles and stuff but um, try and tack uh, what I would do is is find a point on the model like a cut-off point, and then apply contrast that just that one section at a time rather than trying to go sort of all over it and slather it all over. Because, you know, much like when you're applying a wash, you know, you'll end up having stuff pulled and you end up going back over things and things will be tinted slightly more than others. And so, you know, pick a leg, do the whole leg, pick another leg, do that leg, carapace, do the carapace, body, do the body, you know, neck, do the neck type thing, mm-hmm. rather than, um, you know, with a single with a smaller miniature, like just a Necron Warrior, then it's fine, just whack it all over. But with the with the slightly bigger models, then you know, do take your time with it a little bit. But yeah, no, been been, yeah, been cracking on that. I just, I'm just, I just looking forward to the book coming out now because I, I kind of want to. Although I said to myself with the Net stuff, I want to you know just grab stuff that I like. It's not going to be a you know you know you know tournament. You know I don't want to be sort of going to tournaments with it. It's going to be a gaming army that I can play with locally and perhaps bring down when you know when things get back to a bit more of a normal thing. And I just want you know it's nice to sort of have an army and have an idea of you know i don't want to spend ages point painting a model that i'm never going to use Do you yeah. know what i mean um,
1: well you say that you're more than welcome to join the um Naltharian schism come and join our little ca- super casual crusade thing
0: yeah well i mean i, I, I when we, i mean i can i'll never be able to come down for games for for, for well, a long time but... we've got
1: people in london we've got Yes, what's what's super casual? It's just all people talking about Crusade and 40k and just in the chat. So you're welcome to join.
0: I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll join you on Nefarious Gizm. And, and Ian. And uh, Tyrantnids. Yeah, I'll yeah, 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 be a good chat. Actually, get my juices, get a bit more. Because I just don't have anyone. That's the one thing that, you know, with, with this 40k stuff and with everything at the moment, you know, with, you know, sort of not being able to go to anywhere. I just, I, as I said in the last couple of episodes, uh, you know, as much as, you know, I'm obviously a bit of a liability when painting towards the deadline, it's still nice to have something in mind to aim for, yeah. you know, yeah, um, yeah, and yeah. having a plan, you know, so. Totally. Yeah.
1: No, I agree with you on that. I, something funny enough, I was, um, I recorded with Mitzi and Jimbo yesterday for the Mitzi and Jimbo show that they do on YouTube. Oh, nice. Uh, so should, that should be out in a couple of days. Um, so anyone listening to this, if you want to see what my sexy face looks like with my massive um, normal beard, it's not a COVID beard, um, that should be out in a couple of days, go <laughs> and check that out, I'll put some links up when it's out um, and I was saying that they asked whether Jen had any new projects at the moment I was like, yeah, yeah, just before this all started, she bought deep Kinami, uh, she wants to use colour shift paints on it, we've done some test pieces etc, and like, oh great, when's that going to be done for and I went, well, when the first tournament happens, because that's the, that's the deadline we're all used to, is like, she's got no, there's no tournaments so there's nothing to paint towards, so it doesn't matter she got it in March, she's not Spending any time and effort onto it until um, an event deadline starts looming, and then so suddenly crack the paints up well, like we all it. do and get going.
0: Yeah, yeah, and um, you know, I, you know, I haven't mentioned it for a while, but you know, it's only what would have been sort of eight weeks or so's time since up until face would, would have been face hammer. Yeah. Um, oh, that... so so G. If you're listening, you're lucky you got away with it this year. And I know what you're going to say because I spoke to Les about it. This is a good little segue. And it's not the same. It's It's, not the same thing. um,
1: Have you heard what they've called it as well? No, not yet. It's it's called Face Hammer Worldwide. (laughs) which is amazing. Yeah, so over the face hammer kind of uh, a weekend they're they're putting some um, online content up um, and they're talking they would last they were talking about it on the last episode which is um, everyone over there, uh, a certain segment of the show um everyone paints up the encounter you get from the start uh, starting AOS uh, magazine
0: that's a cool idea, yeah.
1: The male dude with like, his hand in front of his his face with a little, little sexy little beard. Yeah. So, you know, that could be a chance to officially knock G. You could oh. probably do a nice face in the time that most people can paint an entire model.
0: Yeah, it reminds me of the Ming Vitationals. Speed there, there was me trying to, trying to dry my washes with my cigarette lighter. This <laughs> smoke to the time. <laughs>
1: Brilliant. Right, that was a little segue. But any other? Um, obviously Necrons uh, are tickling your balls at the moment. Anything else? Yeah.
0: uh, Well, yeah. I mean, just looking at the. um, I mean, uh, well, yeah. No no other kind of, of, you know, army painting other than that going on. I think, um, you know, once the book hits and some of the bigger centerpieces will, you know, arrive like the Silent King and the Void Dragon and all the rest of it. No doubt I'll get sidetracked by those, spent eighteen months painting one of them or converting one of them, and you just never hear from my necrons again. So that's <laughs> probably the plan. Um you know, and, and you're likely that you know, I've come to terms with my limitations as a as a as a army painter. And, you know, in all honesty, that's probably what's gonna happen. And then halfway through doing one of those, there'll probably I don't know, exodites will come out or
1: exercise or something awesome new there's not going to be
0: any shadow elves or something like that will come out shadow elves. Yeah. then then i'll then i'll be sidetracked by that and then you know the, this project will never get off the ground and i'll be that done so you know i'm quite comfortable in my own skin to be able to say that and uh, yeah let's just crack on to the next segment talking about vehicles that i'll never get off <laughs> well well um
1: uh yeah, no, we'll go on to the listener questions because I think they, they do really cover some great topics. Um, what I did want to do before we go on that is just give myself a, a nice little plug. Um, so um, ProPainted Studios is has been operating throughout this entire period, and I've got some great new products up and available on the website at the moment. Um, just wanted to give them a quick mention because I'm really happy with some of the design work I've been doing recently. Um, so I've got uh, a whole new system for tracking Battleshock and Casualties, kind of a, a, a tombstone-themed aos fantasy one and a sci-fi themed like heartbeat monitor kind of 40k uh themed set of both tokens and dials um started branching out in 40k as well so we've now got some numbered objective tokens um obviously all the sticks and the command dials and everything and we've got a new command dial in the works of 40k and i will be doing faction sets shortly i just need to get them designed um, but also I've designed a all-in-one I call it the war board so it's designed for use with uh, Warcry so you have little, it's got a little card holder it's got, a little, got a little holders for all your dice it's got a little magnetic dials at the top for the player's scores and the turn so it's all in one one little piece so if you want to check any of that out as always the website is propaintstudios.co.uk um, yeah and you know it's still, it's still difficult times for business, small businesses like mine because unfortunately people have got less money to spend on hobby but you know if you're in the in the market something you know custom is always appreciated and on that I do we'll go to a quick break right so um we mentioned last episode we had some questions on tackling vehicles and um, kind of larger monsters uh, and I kind of pushed it as a question for this episode so um, one of the first questions we had through which almost surprised me with how quick it was which was from none other than eighth edition hobby legend ian cass of all people surprised by that (laughs) i know like literally not literally not um not uh and even an aos player i don't think he did a single aos event um, but yeah Ian Sorry, was known
0: to one speakers or ear pods out there with that, but who the
1: fuck is Ian cars? <laughs> so Ian used to be um one of the, the one of the one of the popular um tournament painters back in the day. Um and he had his an approach which really he still isn't used, which is he would edge he would f- everything would be a flat colour and he would edge highlights to beautiful levels, every single little detail. And he would edge highlight that same color twice to give it a really strong pop. And it's just, I'm, yeah. I'm not nobody else has kind of painted like that. I mean, it have, it's goddamn time consuming, um, but yeah, it looks great. And he always nailed the the, the highlight colors with with the base coat that he was highlighting. So, uh,
0: and one thing as well, I mean, is um, and I don't know if he listens, but I'm not sucking him off. Um, <laughs> But his, his attention to detail on, on the little extra bits and bobs that you oh, go phenomenal. to as well. So his Empire army with all the sort of sundry items that are on the display bits and bobs on the yeah, a couple of apples and a and a map and globes and things like that. And then with his with his undead army, um you know sort of having to, sort of going the steep foot route a little bit with with sort of uh Props, you know, with you know that represented items that were actually on the army as well. So, you know, great attention to detail, and uh, actually very sorely missed on the scene. Absolutely, you know, if you're listening,
1: totally, totally. Uh, well, his, we've wanked him off enough. Um, well, his question was: How the hell do you paint large areas of flesh color, stroke skin, e.g., the new giant? So you're a bit of a pro at this, Rob, obviously having finished Bellacore recently. Any any tips for Mr. <laughs> recently. Um, do you know I finished him? It was almost
0: 20, about a year and a half ago that I finished him. It was in March 2019. How many pieces is, yeah, he, man.
1: is he in at the moment?
0: Uh, he is in about seven pieces, ready to be upscaled. Sounds finished to um, me. Yes, that's finished. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you bastard. Um, so, yeah, I think... One of the good things, and and um, I know probably the last, big, unless he's sort of worked on things behind the scenes, I know obviously one of the last big things that um, Ian tackled in that regard was the Carmine Dragon for his um, Lady Elspeth sort of conversion for his Vampire Lord on the Zombie Dragon. Am I right You thinking that? That was one of his pieces for his last...
1: Yeah, but that, that um, particular model doesn't really have large areas of flesh.
0: No, see, let me finish, man. I was just about <laughs> as a shit say, example. Move on. No, I, I was just let me finish. It's all in context, <laughs> right? Is um, I having used the base of that model, the Carmine Dragon, for my conversion for uh, Egrim's Dragon. It doesn't have a lot of flesh on it, so. You know, or, or there's not a lot of flat area. The, the transitions are quite quick between textures on the model, between the underbelly and then the flesh and then the scales and then the wings and all the rest of it. So um, with something like the, you know, again, like I said, if you, and a lot, a lot of GW models now, and again, this goes back to, you know, what we're talking about, about the positioning of, of the the bodies on on some of this push fit stuff and making it slightly easier to paint the, the and you know knowing from you know, painting stuff like the the horror unit that i, I work I was working my way through uh, kind of before lockdown finished or started rather sorry um you know having although you know still the models still hold up but they're what a ten year old kit at least must be like a ten fifteen year old kit um you know there isn't there a lot of the newer stuff is easier to paint in regards to um the 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 surfaces and the textures and the the wrinkles and the and the the you know different things like that give you a lot more defined space um and you know certainly with um the gargants the the the, the big new giants uh what are they called what are the actual name of them the gargants or what are they called the the bigger ones mega gargants the, I can't remember my um, But, the, you know, the, they, look, they certainly look to me. Obviously, there's the certain parts of it where there are um, sort of big areas of flesh. But I think the the the, the sort the best way to tackle things like that, if you're going to go more of a traditional route with you know, just with, with brushes rather than, because obviously there's a stepping into airbrushing is a, a completely different, almost a different way of, of talking about it. But like we've said recently on stuff and it's a bit of a revelation for yourself that you've you've admitted to especially with your with your well certainly with your um, bone reapers is starting off with a mid tone or slightly higher colour and painting the recesses and washing and glazing down rather than having to layer up and you know certainly with big areas um brush strokes are going to be a lot more noticeable unless you're really good at thinning your paints and getting those smooth brush strokes on there um, you know something that is a is a technique in itself it is finding the right consistency in a paint for the surface that you're painting and shout and I know he doesn't listen to the podcast but certainly a big shout out to Tommy Saul um, who you know I, I, I spent some time chatting with um, not so long ago um, about this kind of thing is and he's he, uh, shout out to our guys on the, the um, two Podcast. If you go back through their feed, there is a an interview that they did with him on one of their episodes, and it's probably some of the best hobby content. It's up there with the Darren Latham YouTube videos. Is actually listening to. And I don't know if you've listened to that, Matt. That episode particularly. I have, yeah. Um, um, but the you know the there's always that sort of debunking certain hobby myths or urban myths, as it were, about. Um, you know Yes, you know, your paints, need, so for certain applications, your paints need to be thin and consistency of milk or cream, whatever you, you hear from a lot of these painters. But he kind of goes through how important that it is that you have, the you know, before you even put the paint on the palette, that the the, the paint is a, a consistency and a, a, um, a level that you want to do what you want to do. And certainly with big areas with flesh, it is so, so important. Once you hit that sweet spot, and it happened a few times the, the first time that it happened was with painting the forest dragon that I did um, with the underbelly and stuff like that. Although it does look, it uh, there's not a lot on that model that's actually airbrushed. A lot of it is hand-blended, especially the the wings had a little bit towards the tips for the wings just to get that darkness in there. Um, but the the main body itself and the underbelly especially was all hand-shaded uh, and, and layered and stuff. And when you hit that, it's like that... <laughs> do you know the, there's that meme of... Um, you know when you when you're cutting Christmas wrapping paper, and you hit that perfect glide with the scissor, and yeah. someone says, "Oh, that, that, I imagine that's what heroin feels like." <laughs> it's the same. It, 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 it's the same thing with getting your paint to the right consistency for what you want to do it with. Whether it's you're know, getting it to you know if you're if you're free, doing freehand or if you're doing an edge highlight, we all know as painters about. You know, we've all experienced that time where we've hit the right consistency with doing something. Does that make sense? Even with even with dry brushing as well, because you can overdo it with dry brushing or whatever. But it's about making sure that you've got that consistency right. And when you're painting those large areas, is actually again start on a on a slightly higher tone than you, you, you potentially would, and rather than work up, work back down. And it's one of the big things that the Evermetal team uh, talked about on one of their Twitch shows about the slanesh stuff and I'm sure Terry would agree, you know, is, is fantastic. Um, you know, th- certainly look at his video about the keeper that he did because that's got some, yeah, you know, without the, sort of the, the danger of rambling on like, uh, too much about one particular thing. Um, it's, it's about getting that consistency and, and in your paint itself, um, you know, too much on the brush or the consistency being too thin, you'll leave tide marks, um, you know, and, and loading your brush too much. It, it's really about um, tackling those sort of, you know, and specifically I think if Ian's talking about flesh rather than, because, you know, painting vehicles and stuff is slightly different in approach. But um, certainly, you know, looking at, um, looking at the, the, the model you want to paint, especially the, the giants and sort of basing it that lighter, that lighter kind of colour and then working back. And it's, it's actually a shame that he's had to drop off because I know Ian uh Gilmore had um a lot of experience with doing this stuff with his Nurgle, especially his Glockin, um, which is obviously multiple award, award winning, um, you know, very light skin colour. Um, and I know that, you know, he you know, he was you know, he's probably got more experience than either of us as far as doing that and, and with the Moore Crusher as well, but um so apologies, Mr Cass if the, the, the main person that was more suited to answer your questions isn't actually on the podcast. Um but yeah, uh, you know, um yeah, I think that's that's probably the, the, your best bet is is to do that rather than just slapping wash over something, actually targeting your 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 shades. And, and doing it that way rather than washing over something and then layering back up over the top of that, yeah. especially with such a large area. Because you can kind of hide it on smaller things, can't you? You know, like your clan rat or your, you know, uh, Just you know something that's any any kind,
1: of, any kind of model you can really hide, uh, you know, any normal size model you can hide that. Um, it's interesting you mentioned my bone reapers because my response would have been that. So an example would actually be um, my Mortec Crawler. So that has massive areas of bone, which you can very much treat in the same way as flesh. So, what I learned from the Darren Latham approach, which I I now pretty much use exclusively, is nail that solid matte almost base coat, um, yeah. and then glaze down um, and work with it. You know, and wor- you you work down the strength of you. So you start with multiple layers of a thinned glaze, and then you can go almost straight to the wash. Um, yeah. And it's like
0: working. It's like working highlights, but in reverse, isn't it? You do the widest area. It's like doing your chunky shade and your yeah. thinner shade, and then, exactly then the, right. the very last recesses, and it's actually the darkest point.
1: I actually found it quite time time saving because you're not actually yeah. just repeatedly going back because that's what you're doing. If you base coat, wash, and then highlight back up, you're actually ninety nine percent of the time you're just painting back on top of the colour you've already used. Um, so it's a little bit counterintuitive. So that would be my approach. And, and exactly what Rob was saying is if you can nail the consistency of your highlights um, to make them more like glazes and washers um, and try and smooth the transitions out, you can really nail it. Now, that's how I would approach it. Now, the other flip side to that is actually if you were going to go down the airbrush roof, um, it would almost always be for me solid base coat again, um, underspray spray spraying from underneath with a dark colour, spraying from top with a light colour, so doing your zenithal, but you know, really kind of hitting the, the high points almost with a white and then doing an all over glaze with. So if you're painting skin, um, you know, maybe you are doing something it's maybe you were doing human skin using Right Flesh Shade, and maybe you were just work in a little kind of tone of purple or something in there and doing that as an all over glaze on the skin. And actually the airbrush on a larger model allows you just to do that. And you can just get a great finish.
0: Yeah, I think with um, you know from the airbrush side of things, there's a couple of there's one really good. Uh, I can't forget how to say one really good, but it's I can't remember the name of the guy who did it, but I'm sure if you search on YouTube, it's a it's um it's the Exalted Keeper of Secrets, so the old Forge World Keeper of Secrets model. Yeah. Um, the dreadlocks. Yeah, and so. Um, and it was a lot of it was um, you know, sort of getting a, a base colour of like a pale skin, but then airbrushing in like pre-shading that you do, that you see a lot of people do with the Forge World like Heresy stuff, like the, the tanks and things. But doing it on you know you'd, you'd, you'd actually get like a really dark brown or, or whatever your you know sort of tone of skin was going to be, and and then pre-shade like uh, along the sort of the the the, the, the sort of muscle definition and all the rest of it and then go then progressively go over that with the glaze of what you eventually your, your actual skin tone you'd want to be um and that obviously that that kind of you, you're just placing filters on top of something on top you, know, you just keep putting the filter and a filter and a filter until you get the definition that you want and, and that's that's quite good because it's quite a control it's not a, an all or nothing approach it's um You can keep adding these, depending on again getting your consistency right. Even though you know you're putting through an airbrush rather than your normal brush at this point, and getting your consistency right allows you to. You can do one pass and go. Okay, well, is that too stark a contrast? Try to do another pass, and you can perhaps even start to break it down. Well, okay, well the the you know the the bottom half of the model, the pass, you know the the amount of passes I've done with the glaze is is suitable, but because I want to, and you're really getting into the Sort of um, kind of uh, and uh, Angel uh, Geraldes kind of airbrushing level, where you're talking about doing busts for painting competitions. You know, you're really getting into. I mean, I, I've seen a lot of, and it goes back to what you're saying about your doing the zenithal stuff. I know a lot of bigger busts and models. Um, a lot of painters just do the monochrome. Completely to get their transitions and their contrast to where they want to do them, and then just just glaze over the top of that to get the colour into it. So it would just be black and white, and all of the 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 contrast and the fades and the transitions are done in black and white um, or in grayscale. and then they'll just airbrush glazes over the top of that to achieve the colour that they want. Um, which you, you're seeing a lot of sort of bigger display models because again, having that sort of more subtle approach on the bigger models is needed because they're bigger.
1: Yeah. You've got much less room to hide.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, and it's, it's just fascinating. If you, if you want to watch stuff like that, um, there's a couple of tutorials and you, you probably, you know, listeners have probably seen them on, you know, on social media or on Instagram or on YouTube or whatever. Um, but some of the airbrush tutorials that people do for the, uh, like quarter sets, quarter scale and six, one, six scale, like star Wars, um, models and stuff where that, like the, the skin tones are, and the, the, the faces are on them are photorealistic. Um, Again, you know, you're probably not looking to get that finish on your models, but again, the the, the techniques and the principles still remain the same and they're still applicable. So there's a lot of, um, you know, once you get bigger, you know, you're getting into a realm where different techniques are going to be what you're looking for and and how you paint a a 28 millimeter scale, you know, foot soldier is, you know, kind of almost throw that out the window as far as how you approach that. And you know your you, your stuff that you've done with the cathedral stuff that you did, and with the um, the bloodbound stuff you did as well. There's a couple of big Mears miniature models in amongst that as well. I'm, I'm sure yeah. they they garnered a different approach than you you'd normally have had. And I'm right I'm Absolutely. probably writing thinking with with the bloodbound stuff especially, and then the it is a bit further back in your painting journey as well, wasn't it? It wasn't sort yeah. of. Well, stuff you've done recently. So how do you how did you kind of tackle that in terms of your way of thinking? Well, scaric,
1: the scaric I did from a bloodbound was a very very much, and it's the same with um, scarbrand as well. Um, they're not large areas of flesh in the they're detailed areas of flesh, so they have lines and veins and scales on. So it's really not not overly applicable. Um, to be honest, it's more things like the Lord of Change. Um, yeah but again that's just that was base coat and glazing um and then nailing the highlights um so the approach is very much the same and the cathurgal stuff was airbrushing with um um uh, with glazes with literally what i said is what what i did for my um my Mersha kraken um yes. and also did the belly fade as well um but yeah well i hope that kind of gives you some food for thought in i think we've we've covered that in a nice bit of detail Um, But the next one is from um, Trim Controls. You should explain the wonders of battle damage and how it can cover a multitude of sins. And by golly, is that right? So talking about vehicles and things particularly, um, battle damage can, it's, Byron of Facehammer fame, Element Games, has explained it really well in the past in that it allows you to add areas of interest to flat areas um which f- essentially end up falling the the viewer the looker as i um that the area is painted better than actually it is and actually battle damage itself um done well can really hide fuck ups on your paint scheme you know if you've got a space marine rhino and you've completely somehow you've got to the um, the maybe the airbrush stage or you've got your base coats down you've realized there's just this little bit where you've just got a thumbprint in it or you've left a little bit of sprue you've just got to chip off and you know the last the last minute battle damage in the uh, fucking bin <laughs> battle damage perfect for those Fuck kind it. of areas um i i personally use a couple of different approaches um for battle damage um my simplest one is stormhost silver uh, an old small paintbrush um, and just essentially dab and draw lines across edges, um which also creates a fake highlight um so I've used this so said awful I use it on my blood angels uh, I use it on my uh my anvils they helden hammer so there's no edge highlights whatsoever but the chipping of the silver fools you into thinking it's there um to the more in depth version, which is like what I've done with my uh, titanicus my my titans in that whereas out comes the um Uh, The kitchen sponge or torn up into different shapes that I like and use that with a small amount of black paint and dab that onto the model and then you can work with that by painting your lightest um, highlight colour of that particular area so if it's like a blue armour panel whatever your edge highlight is you, you, you can paint that uh, as a highlight around the battle damage and that's mega effective super super effective um, but yeah it's it's this idea of you can, you can look at something that looks quite plain you can create artificial areas of interest that make the model really pop uh, make it more interesting but also it helps with that transition between areas of no detail
0: yeah, you kind of um, sold my thunder a little bit on as far as... Um, there's one thing I was going to pick up on with um, the battle damage and highlighting. Um, now, um, this is sort of going back to... Yeah, turn the clock back, listeners, but back to um, when the Heresy stuff start, first started to launch. Now, there's um, one guy that you should follow on Instagram. I can't remember his Twitter, Twitter handle, um, but it's Red Beard Hobby. On on Instagram, um, a guy called Trevor Goddard. Uh, some of our listeners probably are already uh, up to speed with his work, but massive um, sort of heresy guy, uh, but very much um, very. I, I'd say almost the the forty k version of Steve Foot. Um, very much into building his own, as or, or even Bish. Um, very much into building his own Zone Mortalis stuff, very into the heresy at the very beginning of it, and even before Forge World actually had heresy stuff, um, scratch building storm birds and rogue trader ships and all the rest of it, and doing massive dioramas based on it. But a lot of his ultramarine stuff was, didn't edge highlight it, he, he just used weathering to do the edge, to, to do the highlighting very much in the way that uh, you just described there, Matt. And I think the one thing that, um, with weathering, that's become more. It's become more of a deliberate technique in what a lot of the heavy metal guys um, have termed, have coined the phrase of rendering an effect or a, or a texture onto a model. Um, and the best example of this, and the easiest sort of example to make, is um, where it's become a lot more in vogue is the little, like little ticks and scratches on like capes and leather and stuff like that. Yeah. You, that you'll see, um, and Aiden, um, uh, daily went through it a lot on, on the initial, I think it was the dark millennium. Is it dark millennium? Or which was the one where it was the launch of eighth where you had the ultramarines and the death guard, but saying about, there's a lot of painting videos, on about that, about getting your scaling right on weathering. Um, especially when you're looking, you know, if you're, if you're, Obviously, we're talking about vehicles, but again, on Marines, like you said, on your Blood Angels and things like that, where you know you need to really be careful about the scale of the weathering. You don't want sort to of overdo it and, and have it too big because you, you, you'll you just lose the the effect on the, the model. Um, well, you won't lose the effect. It'll almost like overpower it a little bit. So you want to be a bit more subtle. And the one thing, especially with vehicles and um, setting it on, the uh new primary bikers and some of the uh the new primary vehicles is with battle damage you wanna kind of with also you got your sponging technique which is great, but also having like um you see like the bullet mark streaks yeah and stuff like that. So, you know, and that kind of creates like the illusion of movement in the in the piece as well and well one effect i've done realism but it's it's like you see you see the dripping you see the the you know where someone's put a little bit of non-oil or or agraxol shade onto rivets where it's dropped drip down and that that kind of stuff is great but having like the little just being conscious of of where you're placing your, your weathering and having those just the little just a little horizontal streak coming off where you think a bullet would capture or whatever. And it goes, you know, it's going back into, you know, when, 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 a, a an heavy metal painter says that a, a lot of the narrative informs their paint scheme, people sort of think, well, what does that mean? You just, you know, it's almost sounds like you're towing the company line a little bit, but what it actually means is the narrative of where this vehicle is in the universe at that point and how it would actually be affected and, or the rest of it, you know, and, 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 and actually looking to that, to, you know, where on the, where on the model would, where on the vehicle would the most weathering be, it would be, you know, on the, on the bits where the, you know, the, 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 the hinges of where the doors open or where the hatch is open or the front of the vehicle probably be slightly more weathered, you know, battle damaged in the front than the back. Sorry. You know, um, I think it's, something, like that, so.
1: I do think that's something you get into naturally when you're doing it. If you're yeah. using the chipping as the edge highlight, you do, you know, you naturally do start going down that approach. And um, something that I, I'm particularly proud of is on my, I've got a, I don't know if you remember my land speeder that I painted for Star Wars Legion. Um, oh, yeah,
0: yeah, no, that's a, that's an absolutely perfect example because that looks yeah. ace. So that's
1: taken from uh, the Sarastro painting series on YouTube um, because, you know, literally the air speeders are flying, they are a flying wedge. So the impacts are only going to come one way. Um, so that's what I've done there but also he's he also does an uh, effect I love which is a laser burn so it's not only is it a gouge you know it, and it's a proper gouge but you start using reds you know and you're highlighted down yeah. to an orange to a white spot and you don't see that a lot on 40k vehicles and I think that's something that I'm going to do because I haven't actually you should though shouldn't you because yeah. fucking half of them are lasers <laughs> exactly I haven't done any any vehicles yet other than a Leviathan Dreadnought for my Blood Angels so they uh, that's going to be on the paint list so actually if you want to you want to look at something a little bit different um, check out the painting video on YouTube. I'll put a link in the description um, on the land speeder, uh, air speeder. And also, it's, yeah, it's I mean, fantastic.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, and a lot of sci-fi stuff. But also, look to um, you know, if you're a, t- a tread head and you like your Imperial Guard stuff, you know, look at the World War Two dioramas. Look at the World War One stuff. You know, or any any kind of you know recent sort of military history kind of dioramas and paint schemes. You know, there's all those weathering powders that are out there. You know, look at the Forge World stuff as well. There's a lot of guys that are, you know, that, that do do more of that kind of thing. Well, before, you,
1: know. you should say that because our next question actually um, is actually from uh, a good friend, Matt Darkins, uh, who said um, on that note. So, double barrel question is. How do you use oils on tanks? Um, I think your response is the same as mine. Is don't really know. It's not a technique I'm that au fait with. But what Rob's well, I've done just, it a few times. Well, they all, but, but what Rob said is perfect. The, look at the historical videos for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But he's also said I was told to put weathering pigments in with oils when applying from one person, and another told me to apply them separate. Then apply a, pa- uh, a permanent fixer, which is the right way. The answer is there's no right way. You can use fixer. You can use isopropyl alcohol. You can put it in the paints you can do it dry so there is well, no... one,
0: one good thing and it, and it works with um just with any kind of vehicles as well is um once you get your base coat down it, it just do like capillary washes in in the recesses and stuff um you, you need to uh and you know not to go too much detail here but you need to you need to sort of get your your acrylics down varnish it with gloss varnish um and then get your oil mixes, and you know, and even I, I hazard a guess that the um, the Citadel gloss washes would work as well with it, yeah. Um, just good because changing. of the tub, but actually pin washing, so get loading your brush up and then just dabbing it into the recess, and you'll find that it will flow because you gloss washed it, it gloss varnished it rather. You'll find that the the wash will actually run through in, into all the gaps. And then once you've done all of that and you're happy with it, then seal it with a, a matte varnish, and then just just crack on with 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 the rest of it. That was that was definitely something when I was actually looking at um, doing the towel on the, like the big Forge World towel stuff that oh, I had at one point. Um, but you know if you're doing that, especially with the towel stuff, you know there's so many panel lines and things, and um, as that you know it's something I th- I'm pretty sure I picked up looking. Um, I th- I'm pretty sure it's Heresy stuff that. Um, you know that'd be to sort of pick that up but yeah I mean there's with with vehicle stuff like you know we both alluded to there is you know it's not just forty k stuff you know you've got you know Christ vehicle you know whether it's tanks submarines boats you know there's at least three generations worth of content out there you know covering all that kind of stuff because you can take you know how someone paints a a panzer tank from world war ii and, and apply it to your rhino or your vindicator or land raider or whatever you know
1: um so yeah thanks for asking that question Max. i want to explore a lot more with the old oils um so the next question is from tom the hobbit saying do you find it daunting committing to large models because they're mostly most likely a centerpiece model uh so talking about larial Archeon, magnus mortarian for example uh, and he's mentioned that he struggled with a tree lord to work out how he wanted
0: it to Hold my beer. Um, <laughs> so, look, right? The, the centrepiece... Think about it in points, okay? Which you can't do, really, but you can do, almost. Like, the <laughs> Bellacor and the Gaunt Summoner, they were literally half my army. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you think to yourself, right, well, okay, well, I'm, you, know, you give yourself whatever your social kind of commitments or your personal commitments or whatever will allow you to get a project done. Allocate that amount of think to yourself. Okay. Well, you know, it's half my army. So I'll spend half the time. Don't knock him. Don't knock him out. Do you mean spend half the time painting it? Do you mean, again, it can be easy to, it depends on the type of army that you're painting, I guess. But like, say for instance, now great example, awesome segue, right? necrons (laughs) necrons <laughs> the warriors you know you're probably going to have i mean again i haven't seen the book i don't know what i don't you know no i never played necrons in my life right but i reckon i'm going to need at least two lots of 20 warriors aren't i at least i'd imagine you know and if, if you sort of no. think about foot, foot you know okay well people, maybe tend, to, not.
1: people tend to take a, a tesla immortals
0: well, oh, no, okay, warrior-sized figures. Sure, okay, all right. Yeah, so warrior-sized figures, okay? But, like, say, 60 of them, right? Or 40 of them, whatever. But, you know, I'm not going to spend the same amount of time painting 60 Necron warrior-sized models. I'm bunny-earing it now. Let <laughs> me see it on the camera. Bunny-earing. That <laughs> um, I'm going to spend painting the Silent King. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'm yeah, just yeah. not. Sure. And, and, you know, you kind of... And it, it, it depends, you know, like if you're aiming for getting nominated, um, I don't know really what the, the just one thing I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting into 40K is seeing who the 40K, like, G is, or seeing who <laughs> the 40K Russ is, do you know what I mean? All these sort of different people, and 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 finding out who the 40K Russ is, or the 40K G is, I didn't try to get them to meet to the menu then go, you're the 40k Russ. You're the, you're the AOS Russ. And you don't you know really I mean? anyway. It'll, um, be like,
1: it'll be like the, when the normal timeline and the evil timeline meet. Yes, yes. Just be Russ with a moustache. I mean,
0: you know I love my alternate universes <laughs> and all the rest of it. That's fucking amazing. Um, but yeah, so in, going back to the thing, but yeah, just spend as m- with, with. Don't look at them... Right? Do not look at them as a ball ache. Do not look at them as a chore... Do not look at them as the same way you'd look at the units that you're painting. Because, again, you know whether you're painting just to play with your mates or down the club or locally. If you want to go to tournaments and perhaps get a nom, do you know what I mean? Or you know, if you're if you're if you're you know if you're lucky enough to go to a tournament that recognises top three in painting and you you know looking for a podium, or even if you're looking at best paint or judges voted or whatever, centerpieces will always draw the eye and you know whether it's converted or not you know and I've been the beneficiary of getting perhaps awards where you know my my stuff hasn't been as well painted as the next guys but because the centerpieces have been better you know it's the overall composition of an army and which we've spoken in length about in previous episodes and whether it's AOS or 40k the 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 principles remain the same you know and 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 I guess perhaps you know to cover it from a more technical standpoint you know, look at the look at the different individual pieces of that model. you Use the Lariel as an example. You know, you're painting. You know, you've kind of with the Lariel. You've kind of kind of got three components of that model. You've got the base, the beetle, and the Lariel itself. I'd say, um, and and look at how you want those to work together. And and I guess you know, with a lot of centerpieces, it's very much the same. There, you know, base Dorgar, base. Um, you know, you know, I guess greater demons are slightly different because they're they're one thing, and um, but yeah, you know, take all the time that you need, and, and and plan plan color schemes. If in doubt, go with box art. You know, if you're if you if you've got um, you know, looking you know, like Matt has been doing with his uh, with his stuff is looking the army books for for paint schemes that you like. No,
1: looking you know. everywhere. Else. For the color schemes, and, and then eventually and finding then it finding.
0: in the army book. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know, if you know, obviously, if you're going for certain characters, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little, you know, if I was going to paint Alario, I, I wouldn't necessarily paint her other than anything in the box up. That's just my hang up. But if you're going for a paint scheme that you want to fit into your army, maybe like a winter scheme and just more monochromatic with hints of purples and pinks or whatever, then kind of decide. You look, look at the, um, and this is going more into the paint scheme side of things. So I don't know if this perhaps is helpful or not. But one thing with. So, let's use Alario as an example. Well, um,
1: um, just quickly, Andy Curry actually messages as well and said, "Do you have any advice for planning and getting started on bigger models?" As he finds he, oft- he, he often tends to stall because of messing up. So, right, okay, this, this feeds
0: into that. So, yeah. like, say for instance, now with Alario there's mm-hmm. a lot of elements on her that are green actually, because of that's how the box house is represented on the box art. But i really, I'm really apologising to the guy because. He's got a lovely Silver Nath army. He was at the Painting Masters last year. Um with the endless spells and Ed the Silverneth Army. That's the one, Ed Sheeran. Um that's not his name, but that's who he looks like. Um but if 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 you take a if you take a concept of a <laughs> It's Mike Burgess. Oh, Mike Burgess, that's the one. And you're sorry, Mike. I mean he probably doesn't listen again. So um yeah, apologies, Mike. But yeah, Ed Sheeran. Uh, his his Sylvaneth army is a great example of taking um, the key composition of an army, but just flipping the colour scheme. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and it's the same with Elario. E- you could go, well, okay, well, the box art is fading from light green to dark green on her wings, and, you know, her cloak is a certain colour, and then the bark is a certain colour. Okay, well, I'm going to fade it from light pink to purple on the wings, the foliage, do you know what I mean? That that aspect of the model is going to be this colour instead. You know, and, and one thing, I don't know who, sorry if I'm going to miss, miss out on crediting someone for this, but um, getting, taking a picture of the, of, you know, printing out a picture of the colour of the model, sorry, in monochrome, and then just like getting your pens out, or your paints out, or whatever, and plotting colours on it. I think it was something that the, the I'm, I'm sure I, 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 I've seen that somewhere. Um, and the, I first heard that from Byron, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he talked about it on our episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, And actually, you know, work is you know, sketching colour schemes, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't. You know, obviously, there's 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 a lot of inspiration. out there, Things like Pinterest, where you can you know, don't don't necessarily look for um, uh, inspiration in Models of that range, but if you're if you're looking at a Sylvaneth army, for instance, and going back to the aerial thing, just fo- photos of nature in different, you know, you know, just just Google, you know, amazing winter photographs, you know, land, amazing winter forest photographs, sure. or amazing something. Do you know what I mean? Like, and it sounds really silly to say, but you do that, and then you're going to get amazing photographs. And they're going to be in that thing, and they're going to be in woods. And then you just look at the colours, and you pick the the colour that you really like, and the picture that you really like. And you go, right, the bark's that colour, the leaves are that colour, transitioning to that colour. Yes, I love that. That's amazing. I'm going to do that. You know, and and you'll find, like, uh, what's the word? Uh, reality stranger than fiction. Yes. You think, yeah, you know, it really you, is. You, you, you know, you you look at some colour schemes, you look at some pictures of forests or whatever, you think. I never thought a forest would ever look like that. And because you've and the other the other great thing about it, and it would appeals to someone like me, you're grounding it in a certain reality. It's not just some wanky concept that you've thought about. Do you know what I mean? It's it's actually got some grounds and you can start perhaps building a narrative around that. You know, um you can find out when the photograph of that forest was taken, you know, where in the world was it taken, how does that influence then the rest of your army design, all that kind of stuff. And it's just that little <laughs> That little sprout that little twig or that little leaf that then grows into a bigger tree again going back to the uh, silver thing um that will perhaps then influence the choices going forward with the rest of the army but that you know doing that kind of thing and actually doing a bit of planning around it look at you know look at certain things that, I mean I, th- I think we've spoken about it before but I remember um you know doing my my t stuff at, at, at uni before I dropped out um was uh, you know you you know look at researching how people find inspiration in things and um funnily enough and and, uh, there's probably tristan will appreciate this uh tristan gray on twitter toonking tristan as he's known um the you know design like things that inspire design and other things so um there's a really uh probably one of the, considered one of the the, the best-designed pair of Air Jordans ever. Um, there were two inspirations for that uh, pair of trainers, and one was a uh, convertible car, and one was a lawnmower. And you would think that those two things would inspire something completely different. But if you look, in, look at inspiration in color palettes, and, you know, there's um, it's a great – there's a really great Twitter um, – uh, Account to follow, and it's um, colors in movies. I think it's like I'll, I'll we'll tweet the link out um, from the pro painting thing, but it's um, color palettes of movies. And what they'll do, they'll show like four or five stills from a movie and have the swatch of the colors that were used in the movie, right? Okay, um, beside it. Oh, that's cool, so it, it gives like tone and like you know, I don't know, it's just like the color profiles, yeah, yeah, and 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 just stuff like that really informs, you know, oh, that, you know, I never thought about using that colour with that colour or whatever. So really, you know, don't just look at, you know, what is a great, you know, Google, what does a great Sylvaneth army look like? But look at other things. And, and that's where you'll, you know, that'll inspire creativity. That will almost have like a trickle-down effect into how you actually approach the army going forward as well. You know, you, you think, oh, I never thought that those colours would work together. It's only until you see it that you actually, it actually latches on and you think, yeah, that, that looks great.
1: Yeah, you suddenly, it's like magic, it just suddenly all clicks together. Yeah, um, yeah. Following on from that, we've got a couple of leading questions from this as well, which is great. Um, we've got Adam Colgan asks, um, do you pick a section of a large, large model and go at that like it's a separate model, or do you do all of it at the same time? Now, I'm going to break in here saying I know we tend to be different. I personally, I, I, no matter what I'm painting, I do a layered approach. So I'll tend to paint with brushes. Um, i work from... Um, the closest to skin layer so if it's a humanoid model i'll do the skin first then i'll work to like undershirts and things and then do the armor last and that would be the same for vehicles and monsters i'd always aim to so if i was doing a scar brand i'd do all the skin first on the entire model i know you have a bit of a different approach
0: yeah i think um yeah i mean i wouldn't necessarily I, and it's one of the things I learned with Bellacore, and it was one of those kind of things where you read about it and you think, oh, that makes sense. But you, you work inside out on a model. So you work, like, exactly how you said. Um, you'd work on the low, you know, if you imagine, I mean, like, Christ, I haven't used Photoshop in five or six years, but back when I was using it as a, a day-to-day thing in my job, you know, you'd have your layers, and... Um, layer one would be your basing. you'd put another layer, top, another layer over the top another layer over the top another layer over the top of that and that's you know it's kind of how you really look at painting models is you know you do like with Bellacore did all the skin first uh, then the armour panels and then just worked I mean there wasn't really there's not really much more of him other than that apart from you know the, yeah, the orb and it's, the, the it's blade a big part of him. yeah um, but you know uh, I understand what you necessarily, you know, you wouldn't work on one leg, and then move to another leg, and then move to the torso, and then move to the arm. You'd you'd uh, hit every element, one after the other. And again, you know, little things with Bellicor. It was, you know, again, working inside out was the skin, um, and then you know, perhaps the spikes that are poking out of the skin, and then the talons, and things like that. And then the, the wings were the the the, the biggest ball ache on, on Bellicor by far with the wings because again there's two sides you know you think you've got one you know you're doing it's almost four things to paint because you've got two wings both sides of each wing and they 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 were the main things that that kind of took the most time Um, but yeah working inside out work on the flesh you know and then work your way out of the model so flesh armour weapons and then you know all your other bits like your teeth, your eyes, the horns, the spikes, the talons, all the sort of ancillary stuff, I guess, on, on, on top of that. So yeah, that's that's how I approach it. And you, you do the same with with smaller models as well. You know, with the Necrons, you you, you base them. You know, you you, you do your your contrast uh, wash or slap on or whatever. Then you, um, I mean, I, I've taken to actually, I, I've reworked it slightly. I'll do the base. Um with lead belcher, pick out all the black stuff that is going to be flat black, and then highlight it up then because I know then that if I make any if i I can be pretty free and easy with it because I know I can touch up with the base of lead belcher rather than having to do the lead belcher base and then the contrast wash and then pick out the black and then the the bits that I have to touch up be lead belcher and then the contrast wash back over because the contrast wash might not sit in the same place and stuff and you might have yeah yeah like little tide marks and all the rest of it so you know like with a necron warrior just all over lead belcher pick out all the black stuff the gray uh, contrast wash because that's not going to affect the the black anyway no um and then you can crack on with your the highlights, and you're picking out the, the the other bits on the model. So yeah, that that'd be how I I would do it. And sub assemblies help, obviously, because if you're of course if you've got uh, needs, get a few of those can, in there. Well, yeah, if you've got like armor panels or weapons that can be you know placed on later, then you're not having to worry about. You know, re going over those, and and you know, it's just less hassle as far as worrying about layer, the amount of layers of paint on stuff and obscuring detail. And if you're, you know, especially if you're working on a heavily converted model, that is really a, a, a concern because you there is no stripping, really, Um which is that you know, it, well, no, there isn't. You know, if you especially with Bellicore, that you know, there there the, were the parts of that you know, I've you know, I've got to make a really concerted effort not to. No, I need this to be sub-assembly, not because it's harder to paint assembled, but because you know, with with like the thigh armor, for instance, um, because the the base coats were uh, airbrushed on, the rest of it was brushwork. But I knew that the you know that parts of the um, because parts of the armor, the thigh pads, were a lot of its green stuff. Believe it or not, Um, Mm -hmm. and it would if it. Got too thick, or, or you know, if there's too many layers on it. You know, it would just it would just ruin it. So you're better up to err on the side of caution in that regard. But yeah, treat go through, work through your textures on a model separately, and you know whether it's flesh and then armor and then. But work your inside out.
1: Yeah, I, well, we, we do kind of work in the same way, but. Uh, You're a bit more of a sub-assembly wanker than I am. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, True. So, again, leading on, question from there, we've got Chris Robinson asked us, um, so is there any way to get contrast paints to work on a tank? Declan Walters asks, would you use contrast for the big flat panels or stick with more traditional paints? Now, my response to this would simply be contrast paints, and Rob's mentioned this already in general, but contrast paints are really good for recessed shading. So what I would say is, you know, say you're painting an ultramarines tank. You can of uh, Ultramarines blue, spray it in Ultramarines blue. Get a nice solid base coat of that, and then if you want a simple effect, just get a, a dark blue or even black Templar because it has a nice bluish bluish tinge to it, and um, and just simply paints that into the recesses of the model. Um, clean up the edges, re-, re reapply any the base coat colour, and you'll be surprised with how good that will look. And if you even wanted to cheat even further as we mentioned just get an old small brush storm hose silver and dab that all the way around the edges as fake highlights then you don't even have to worry about the clean lines but if you're confident and this is something that um uh, graham's asked what's a simple way to paint large panels for a novice painter that doesn't look absolute shit <laughs> which is a great question so that's what i would do is flat base color do a recess wash use contrast paints they love just being painted into recesses um then do uh, a chipping uh, effect around the edges of the model um that's what i do as a a basic level but if you are somewhat confident of getting those clean straight lines with edge highlights then uh, certainly just do one edge highlight with that same technique don't worry about the silver don't go too strong on the highlight get something that's just one step above whatever your base coat is don't go too crazy and just take your time and get the edges of the panels lined with that for me both of those those two approaches will really work really
0: well for you yeah i think um i mean i don't i don't know i think it was probably before our time together matthew but i painted i converted up and painted up a death company land raider I don't know if I if it was one that I actually sold I I sold to you no um but um yeah and oh my god having to like basically edge highlight that whole thing twice with I think I went with uh it's probably Administratum or no Mechanicus Grey like the darkest grey that they do and then up to a grey um it's it's a pain but it makes so you know that with a a, a base spray recessed line... i mean it, it, thing is it's it, it seems like it's so much it seems like such a daunting task when you when you actually start doing it but once you start doing it it, it because the models are so big Getting a, a really good line on them—it's really easy. I'm not really—I don't I sound like a being big-headed Again, or anything, but it's just easy, lads. It's just easy. Do it, but but, but compared compared to doing the same two or three-stage highlight on a Primaris, even or even a standard Marine on a Land Raider or a Rhino or whatever the new hovering ones are called—is a lot <laughs> easier. Yeah, and 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 especially with the. the the more acute angles that are on there, you know, running your edge of the brush across, across them, you know, it it can be quite therapeutic, you know, sitting down with an, natural, you know, basically edge highlighting a box, let's be honest. Um, You know, with with a lot of the marine stuff, Uh, you know, you you can, you know, if you, if you, if you put the time into it, you do the recess shade, as Matt Matt said, one thing to bear in mind, and, and this is again, another thing that, um, uh trevor does my my mate that that i I shouted out earlier on a red beard hobby on instagram is um doing uh pre-shading before you put the the base coat down so if you were to um get a rhino say and uh base coat white um and then do a pre-shade in all of the recesses if you if you, you could do it with, with a with an airbrush or you can do it with a standard brush, quite a thick like line in all the recesses with a black or, or a darker colour, depending on what you're gonna be spraying it with, and then spray it with um the ultramarines blue, you'll actually get a natural it's like the zenithal thing with, mm. with models. Um, and you okay. see a lot of that you see a lot of that with the heresy stuff that guys do with the the bigger models. Uh, the bigger tanks that they have like the Spartans and the, all, all the big stuff and you know even the, tight, the smaller Titans that you get in that scale um, is still all that kind of thing and then you know it's, it's the same principle as saying about the Keeper of Secrets thing about doing you know, airbrushing in the, the recesses and then glazing over the top to to create that shade but because you're doing it so, so starkly you'd have white with like, the black or you know primate grey, mechanical standard grey and then black, just like literally black line the recesses of, of of a of a tank and then put your your base spray of ultramarines blue or whatever your Mephiston red or whatever over the top, then that actually creates a quite a natural shading there. And then that almost becomes your your first stage shade. And then you can go and then do the recess like the pin wash. Mm-hmm recess I'd,
1: shade. I'd be interested to see how that looks. my gut feeling would be if you're doing that, I'd airbrush the colors over the top. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think the 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 sprays are quite strongly pigmented. But yeah, I know what you mean. There's a difference between for example, having a black model and spraying spraying it with Mephiston red and having a white model and spraying it with Mephiston red. There is a tonal difference there, and that's for sure.
0: Yeah. And if you can pick out those like I say if you can pick out those black lines before you do it. I mean, yeah, a lot of you know a lot of this stuff is airbrushed, but I mean, there's there's no reason why you can not do it with with rattle cans, I guess. Then um, you know, give it a try. Excellent. Yeah. It's not like you're going to fuck up a sixty quid model. No. Don't, yeah. Don't, don't invoice me. Invoice um, <laughs> Pro Painted Studios. Um, <laughs> <off>. on Twitter.
1: <laughs> I hold no liability for Rob's crazy ideas. Um, <laughs> so, the next question we've got is from um, I'm pinned. I'm pinned. Brother podcast. Uh, which is to stencil or not to stencil. Uh, it's an easy one for me. Um, yeah, I think stencils are actually somewhat underused. Um, and certainly, I would say, so if I was uh, like Chris Tomlin, for example, who's um, considering he's cracking on with the Harlequin's army, I'd be stenciling the holes on my, um, my sky weavings and stuff without a doubt.
0: Yeah, I, I even um, went so. When was it? What project was it? Crisis is turning back the sands of time a little bit. It was funny because I was sorting out some of my stuff in my hobby room the other day and I came across them. But I, I've actually got the um, – I actually purchased some – I think it might have been a towel project that I, I first looked at or maybe older – I can't exactly remember what it was. Um, but um, digital camo stencils, yeah. so the little, the, that little blocky kind of uh, Tetris kind of effect. And, um, yeah, bought some of that and they, they were – they. Um, like a two-stage thing, so you'd have your your stencil, but you'd also have pre-cut out like masking uh, tape in that kind of thing. So you'd get that that three layer. You do your base coat. That's very cool. You, you you put the stencils in then that were offset against the base coat, and then the the sorry the the little sticky bits, and then the stencil will be offset from that. So you'd actually have three colors, um, which is which is quite cool. Um, but yeah, I mean. Stencils and transfers, I think the, 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 the big thing that's caught on and it's become perhaps a little bit more, uh, not, I wouldn't say acceptable is the word because it never wasn't, but you, know, you see a lot of the high, higher-end painters use them is, is stenciling uh, and, um, and specifically transfers. And decals, uh, if, you, if, you, if you're one of our Western friends, decals, decals. Um, but going back to what we said about weathering, I do love um, a symbol a weathered transfer, a weathered like yeah. a weathered transfer. I, I do, I do think that looks amazing. And if you've got the freehand skills to to forego the decal or transfer. Um, and then do it over there, and that' like, great. But I think that that effect looks fantastic. I think with the um, was it the orange stripe on your Speeder? Yes. Um, and obviously, that, I don't think that was obviously it's not a decal, but the 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 the, the process remains the same. Where you you have that, and then just weather across it and into it. I just think that that effect looks 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 great. So yeah, I think yeah, um, I think that's- yeah go for it that's one of Go the f- for
1: it. that's one of the one of the four things i always get comments on so it's always uh, so at the moment it's the hats for my uh, guard. it's the trees for my bone reaper army. it's my purple basing and uh, whichever variation that is and um it's also the orange stripes so whenever i do the orange stripes i always get comments on that and it is super simple it's just an orange stripe paint the model um then i've just gone back with the base coat main color of the model and just Dabbed around the edge just
0: cut up the edges, yeah, and It yeah, just yeah. works,
1: just works. It's so little hassle, it's great. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: so next question is a bit more of an interesting one, which is how do you prep models for multi-layered effects like flames as an example? Um, now, me with flames, I'm very much one of the few things I will always base coat the area a nice solid white. Um, and then work the flames up from there because if you're painting flames naturally, I actually don't mind flames painted either way. But if you're doing naturally, obviously it's hotter in the middle and darker on the outside. So starting from the white means you can start from your nice white point and you can move into your yellows and your oranges and your reds and your blacks. Um, but if you were painting it the other way, there's nothing wrong with painting it um, red and then going out to coloured and doing black little bits at the top. That's that's how I would approach it.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's one thing <laughs> I've... Um, funnily enough, it's... Obviously, one of the standout pieces on Bellicor is the orb. Um, yes, yeah. that has as the flame trails coming off it. That, um, now, I am looking to rework the the flames uh, uh, on that hand, on the the flame trails on the base. Insert, insert
1: rolls eye rolling eyes bah. emoji. <laughs> the,
0: the main reason being is because the, the the color that I I chose at the time, I I just don't feel I I'm going to go for more of um, a traditional. A warpstone glow kind of green, rather than the calabite that I did, um, simply because it will tie into the the rest of the army pieces that I want to do. Um, but there, and it's it's a it's a contentious um, kind of not it's not a you know, an over, you know an outwardly disputed thing, but the difference between you know um, reverse. Flame effects, which is what you'd see on most things, and the natural flame effects, which Matt alluded to, with the white being hotter in the center. The the, the reverse, the, the opposite way of doing it, because of the scale of, of most models that you paint, actually looks better because it pops more. Yes, because it the, the, the vision is much better. The, yeah, because of the 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 lighter is on the outside and and on the raised areas, therefore it it, it naturally pops more. Um, you know, for certain display piece, if you're going for ultra realism on maybe a diorama or something, or on on a, on a you know a, a, a plinth mounted piece or you know gold demon thing or whatever, then if you're going for hyper realism, then potentially that that's you know that's a, that's the way to go. But I think overall that you know more straightforward you know effect to do um you know i try tried, tried doing bellicorps orb in reverse and there's a fantastic you know a, a great painter who um i can't remember, <laughs> it's a great painter i can't remember his name um <laughs> but he's he, he but he, he's on he's, he's on twitter and he's got a patreon that i subscribe to for a bit but he's done the, the he does he's the the painter that does like that ultra Hyper NMM stuff. He's the, he did the NMM Magnus that had like the 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 chest plates were just you know stupid, like well done blended non-metallic metal, you know golds. He did the um, I think he did a bust of uh, something you know in the armor. It had the reflection of the sword that the guy was holding and all the rest. Of it. I'll, I'll try and find. I'll, I'll, I'll dig out the Twitter link and perhaps tweet it from the from our pro-painted account um but he did magnus's orb in the reverse way so lighter in the middle blue you know coming out to a blue on top and it's the one part of them i mean it's a bit too nmm for my life it's a bit too cartoony almost right his style um but the, the and you know the orb is painting painted lovely, and to be able to paint that like, like that guy would be amazing. Um But the orb painted that, that reverse way, given that the rest of the model is such a stark kind of NMM, cartoony almost kind of style, it just doesn't look right. You know, if if you'd done it the other way round and done it hyper- You know, you know, blended and all the rest of it that way, then it probably would have looked better. You know, Um, but because it's done there, it just doesn't. It just doesn't look right. And and because of the orb, you know, the center of the orb has to be blue. uh, Sorry, white, and then it comes out, and then the 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 trails are going off. The the, you know, the higher points are darker and stuff. It just doesn't. There's just something about it doesn't look right. But then if you look at the the actual GW box art magnets. I think it's done. I think the orb is done in the reverse way as well. I, I'm not 100 percent sure because I haven't got it up in front of me. I might be wrong on it, but it's almost a it, magical way, isn't it? Yeah, and 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 that kind of looks a bit better. But then, you know, I, I just think that that any when you, when you're talking heroic scale miniatures, um, and and there's that level of sort of Suspension of disbelief in in everything that they are having, trying to incorporate like a more realistic look to it, almost is counterintuitive. If that makes sense, yeah, yeah. You know, okay. they're completely over the top scenario, and you're trying to introduce like a semblance of realism into it, and it kind of doesn't work. Whereas if you did it on like a a diorama of some ninjas attacking. Samurais and it's all OSL and <laughs> yeah. it's dark and, do you know what I mean? And there's a really dark palette, but then there's the OSL bouncing off the the fires on, on the lanterns on the on you know on the side of the building and stuff. And the lanterns were painted properly. Then that would in that setting that would look more appropriate than doing it the standard way. If that makes sense? No, absolutely. It's, 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 it's all about context. So, yeah. Framing. Con-
1: context of realism.
0: Yeah,
1: but if it was fantastical, undead samurai just, fighting each other, then you can have some nice magical. Should, yeah, just do it,
0: yeah. Just fucking do it the way it's always been done. Uh. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um. So that goes into we've got a couple of points. Uh, we've kind of covered slightly, uh, but from good old Steve Foot, uh, he's asked three questions. First thing: Do you think edge highlighting is right on tanks and robots? Brackets not because it's too tricky for me. Uh, yes. Again, it comes from the realism. Yes. I think. Um. You know from a cool coolness sci-fi Im- influenced um environment yeah i think i think it, it, it is definitely right
0: and again it's, it's it's what we've just covered then is is that <clears throat> excuse me it's it you know yes a lot of the gw stuff we, we covered it earlier off in the pod is you know with the weathering side of things is going for that more realistic when uh sort of rendition on, on models, you know, like stuff we said with the cloaks and all the rest of it, but there's a certain level where, you know, things need to pop out when they're three foot away from the table, you know, when yeah. you're looking at the tabletop and, you know, yes, you don't want to go, again, going again, going back to what you said about blending and all the rest of it, you don't want, you know, on, on the tanks, you know, you don't want pin sharp, you know, ceramite white Edge highlighting over the whole thing, if it's ultra rings blue you know you you want to go you know follow the same route they do on the marines you know you want to perhaps got to blue horror all over everything
2: mm-hmm.
0: but the, and then on the very tips of the right angles and whatever, go up to a blue horror white fifty fifty you know um, but yeah, putting that effort on the model on on tanks really does you know there's two kind of ways and like it, it was funny because I was thinking about this podcast as I was, as I was driving around today in work and, and you know, kind of what, how, what my thoughts were. And, like my, you know, I'd never do an army of Marines where, unless it was super narrative, I always want my Marines to look like i just walked out of the assembly line.
1: Yeah.
0: There's a, I mean, I want mine to, like, like properly. An enemy kind of. Yeah, yeah, and like you know, I've always you know the thing is that my my two chats always been Space Wolves or Blood Angels, and Blood Angels kind of kind of triggers me when I see yours because they're lovely paint. The <laughs> blood, blood Angels would never let their fucking armor get in such state that you paint them. Do you know what I mean? And I don't mean that in a state in like they're painted well, but they'd never let them get weathered. Do you know what I mean? They'd be there polishing just, their fucking just paint chips, mate. Pulled. Yeah, they're been polishing their pauldrons after every encounter. So yeah, um, You know, I I want my Marines to look spick and span out, out of the box, and that that would mean a lot of like edge like, highlight and sharp crisp stuff. And it's, know,
1: it's, it's,
0: it's a box great up, way to it? paint it. Do you know what I mean? No, it's, yeah, it's a I lovely mean, way yeah, to paint it. You know, um, and 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 so that that's kind of how I'd how I do mine. So yeah, I mean, you know, you, you've kind of got. I think with Marines you either go realistic, as in. Like we've said, you know, again, we've, we've covered over today already, but you almost go the, the realistic weathered, you go all in on that. Or you go, I don't I, I don't know how easy it is to find a middle ground.
1: I'd, I'd say my mother was a bit of a middle ground because, um, yeah, you yeah, know, the we- weathering is a factor.
0: Like yeah, yeah, true. That is a good point.
1: Right. So well, the next question we've got, uh, Ian's sorry, Ian, Steve's done a, a triple triple pointer, as has uh, Dan Mitchell. These priority role lads. He's probably
0: won a raffle in the meantime <laughs> as well.
1: <laughs> he's probably thought this was a raffle. Maybe we should send him a prize anyway. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: so he's asked, please exp- clearly explain your thoughts on basing tanks and armoured vehicles. Now, since we've had this question,
0: no, no, no. no since we've
1: had no. this question, I've actually given it quite a lot of thought. Looked at the models that GW supply with bases and those that they don't, and I actually think the answer to this is is all down. If it to...
0: comes with a base, happy days. If it doesn't, then fuck it off.
1: Uh, I actually st- I still don't think that's. That's true either. And I actually think it all comes down to the profile. It the, it's the profile of the models. And what I mean by that is, does the base actually add anything? Does it provide a frame? You know, it, does it frame the miniature? So what I mean by this is a great example is with the Gene Steeler Cool Range. So you've got the Achilles Ridge Runner, which is supplied with a base, and you have the Goliath uh, Rock Grinder or the uh, or the truck, which isn't supplied with a base. Yeah. Now... Due to the profile, you think that the Goliath is a stout, thick, wide vehicle. It literally is. It's almost
0: it's a the macarons of of, 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 of <laughs> vehicles. <God>. That's fine.
1: <laughs> so, it, and if you put that on a base that, and it's a, and it's a rectangle. So, if you put that on a base that will be suitable for gameplay, the base doesn't give you anything. It provides you nothing uh, visually. Um, I mean you could put it on a larger, even larger base than the vehicle and then but then you and you could do something with base, but again that becomes impractical gameplay. However, then if you look at something like the Achilles Ridge Runner, the actual profile of the model is broken up. So you've got the wheels are, you know, that they're, they're out on the side of the vehicle, they're quite a low profile. So it being on a base. Works in the same way as being on a base for bikes and attack bikes, and then anything that flies, so the hover vehicles and things they flat need a base. Um, although I'm a bit it's almost like it's almost like GW have thought of this when they released the models, but but it's funny with the marine ones, the flight bases kind of get they hover, but if you didn't know, if you didn't have a great knowledge of 40k and you looked at a lot of the new marine vehicles you wouldn't immediately assume that they're hovering above the ground does that make sense yeah yeah true like obviously you've got you've got the the flangey bits around the side like a, ho- like <clears throat> a metallic hovercraft but it, it's On not it, it's not like the um Arcanaut ironclads and things you know there's a flight stand you can see they are flying yeah. um so that is my answer is Basing, I think, certainly works both from a gameplay perspective and for uh, selling the miniature for it looking great on the battlefield. But it's all to do with the size and profile of the miniature. Now, like the Achilles Ridge Runner, is actually quite is width and length. It's very similar to a, a goliath but the Goliath's is just a brick so another one i don't like is like um i've seen i don't actually I can't actually remember now saying that I was you could use this as an example which is the orc battle wagon um i've seen them on bases and it just does again it's such a big wow. chunky model or a chimera and also it raises those models it it makes them look taller than they actually are it messes with the yeah. overall uh aesthetics of the model um, so that's my thought so if people if want and enjoy basing their vehicles yeah fill your boots knock yourself out but for me it's all about that profile and mass, and whether the basing think, adds anything
0: and I think we should you know as much as we're all you know we've got a lot of skin in the game as it were and we know we know, you know, we know what we me. like um, but um, you know if the design of, say, a Chimera was meant to have a base, then it would come with a base. Do you know what I mean? True. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, 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 you know, um, again, uh, you know, we, we discredit the designers perhaps, you know, or we don't give them enough credit with, you know, perhaps the, the thought processes and goes back to what we're saying about, you know, things being easier to paint when they're assembled and all the rest of it and all this sort of stuff is, you know, the, the like you said, if, 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 Something, something's profile is enhanced by being on a base. That's intentional from the design, from from the very sort of earliest design things. You know, like I remember, you know, attack bikes. You never used to come with bases. No, and, and they nothing, look weird. Nothing came with bases. <laughs> but, but, but the weird thing, and this is how old, you know, how old I am, and you know, again, I've always said my my youthful looks belie my true age. There is a portrait of me in my attic that is getting older, whereas I am not. Um, <laughs> with a Dorian Gray reference there, but the um, like I remember the old squat bikes, like the old squat bikes, so the old metal road yeah. trader squat bikes. The bikes came with cavalry bases, trikes didn't. Yeah, do you know what I mean? And, and it's the same sort of thing, you know. And and, and they they're, they're obviously they were obviously meant to have bases. Um, because of the nature of, the, the, of what they were. But I think, you know, you fast forward well, nearly 40 years. The, 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 the bikes
1: know. are supplied with 100 mil bases? Yeah. Well,
0: are they now? Because they, they never were. Um, <laughs> 100 mil? Dreadnoughts are on 60s. Yeah. So these, these big, chunky bikes driving around. Um, but, yeah, I, 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 you know, I, I, I like it. But, I, you know, it does wind me up a little bit when you see rhinos, on I, mean, I don't know what base should fit them on was it they fit on a cab base on the big not on the cab base but you know what I mean knight, the big the base. chariot chariot
1: base yeah, maybe, or, they fit but just like I said I think it messes with the profile at the minute
0: yeah exactly it? yeah I, I, and you know like I, I've seen some amazing armies of 40k or you know where you know vehicles are on bases and they, they, they're almost like little mini dioramas in themselves you know they've got the, the hatches open and they've got crew you know hanging off the side or you know, step it out of the vehicles and stuff and that's you know especially with the rhinos and the land raiders and stuff that sort of that i mean that's you know that, that's great stuff and you know from a modern side it just doesn't no. necessarily okay. push my buttons you know
1: the diorama aspect's different which funny enough goes into a hint at um the last question from Steve, which is what Waterglass. is the
0: yeah,
1: What is the line between a gaming piece and a fine military model? Uh, question mark. Madeline, uh, Madeline, managing powders and levels of detail. Um, so for me, I don't think uh, either powders or levels of detail apply to either a, a gaming piece or a fine military model. I think the distinction between those two is realism. So I think with a fine military model is uh, the pursuit of realism in a model kit or model. So to present something that would be an accurate reflection of the item in the real world, uh, which uh, and that doesn't that doesn't mean a gaming piece can't be that, but a lot of obviously in this kind of context fine military model is very much it's almost like you know a lot of things are the same but it's only at the extreme edges do you get things that are very different so the fine military model is the extreme edge of that realism uh line uh, and the gaming piece it can be any point on that line up until the fine military model point
0: yeah I, th- there is a there is a um A watershed moment, if you like, when you get to a certain thing. I I think there's, there's some. I mean, again, Steve will know because you know you'll probably school us every which way, you know, with with on the subject. But there's like there's that really famous diorama of I think it's a World War One, um, cavalry like gun crew, but they're they're it's obviously pulled by horses, and the raindrops. Yeah, phenomenal. Uh, uh uh represented you know they've they've obviously done like a reverse resin kind of thing. You've
1: gone and, outside and the, caught
0: some rain. Yeah it? I'm frozen it in time. <laughs> um yeah. Uh um I had a fun fun little fact my um um I say fun little fact my parents are divorced. Um but my mum my <laughs> mum dated a guy um after the divorce for a short time called Mike and he um Used to build you very much a RAF and um, so overall sort of military enthusiast, and he actually uh, built a lot of the dioramas and kits and stuff that you'd see in a lot of the uh, national um, sort of museums um, for uh, like the RAF and, and military museums and stuff. And it's like about you know, it's like um, you're doing a diorama of you know, sort of a gun crew loading a loading a. Uh, An aeroplane, and there's spent shells that are being ejected, and he's had to he's he's built his own lathe in order to cast these little brass shells that are then used on the diorama to represent the spent shell casings and stuff. That's that's,
1: entirely the correct size, exactly. Serial numbers stamped on them,
0: exactly. Yeah, and and you know researching when that crew was meant to be there and yeah, exactly making sure you got the right serial numbers on them and stuff. So you know, there's, there's a certain level that, you know, we think we're nerds, right? There is, there is a whole, another, there's like Dante's pit of nine circles of nerddom yeah. that, that, that we don't, we don't even know exists. So yeah, I mean, you, you can go all out. And there was, um, you know, talking to, I mean, Christ, has that guy on the news recently, isn't there? that, that old boy that was? What, what ship was he been, been been building from scratch for the last forty years or something that he's just finally completed? Did you see that on the news? <laughs> Did that like make you feel guy? happy? Did
1: that make Jesus? At yeah, least, it was... at least he took longer than me.
0: Yeah, it's like forty years fucking rookie. <laughs> Slow poke. Twat, yeah. Um you know, all right, calm down. You got Getting that your projects out quickly. Forty years, fuck you, like you. You've got that clipping
1: um, clipping up in your hobby room. It's a bit of yeah, no,
0: not yeah, I should have now. Actually I'll go and find it. Rather well, um, than keep hanging in
1: their cat, it's just that art oh, news us.
0: Yeah, yeah. Wanker. <laughs> um but yeah, I mean again, there is I don't think necessarily that there's a fine line between the two. I mean, there's that awesome diorama. Have you seen that awesome diorama that someone's done of a of a sub being blown up? Yes, yeah. And it's all cast in resin. You've got the explosion under the resin. You know what I mean? That's when you start getting, you know, like. Is
1: really, you know, another really good one as well, where someone's done like a. Uh, an m1 abrams um firing his cannon so like the oh yeah you have got a like, blue back yeah, it's nice
0: yeah, it. yeah 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 that, that i mean that that's that's when you start getting into into that kind of territory and and so, you know the, 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 you know adding the little flourishes and do you know what it is the it's testament to Gw that a lot of their models allow that yeah so the rhino has a fully sculpted interior sure you know, the Land Rover has a fully sculpted interior and even a working hinge on the front door, so you don't, you know, you don't have to glue it in, and, and the door would open and shut. You know, so the, the, there are kind of it's almost leaving little breadcrumb trails for people, or giving them that first hit of, yeah, yeah. you know, you know, first hit to get them hooked and thinking, okay, I, I remember, I remember getting my first Land Rover and getting that little control panel thinking I'm going to paint all these little fucking pictures on these TVs and stuff, only to super the whole fucking thing and shut up as everybody's favourite. That no one literally... It's not like painting the back of a shield or something.
1: No. Where you think never
0: someone say. might see that. Yeah. Someone will never... Unless they, sm- you know, smash my fucking model Just open entirely... Hook just to have a look did you paint the monitors mate no fuck off you're not being nominated <laughs> do you mean someone someone going around that a fucking doing army noms with a fucking lump hammer but to be do fair though, that's smashing quite, over it's fucking...
1: quite a, that's a cool perspective to think about for you know painting nominations of best army and things for 40k events is you know having a land raider where the doors open at the front and you can yeah, see yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And, and
0: and this is you know going back to the basing thing if you do that you could have you know, perhaps a couple of, you know, like a Terminator holding the the front of the Land Raider door open or, you know, leaning There's out lighting. or a crew member or something, a bit of light and, yeah, happy days. I mean, you know, you know, basing does allow, going back to the previous question, I know these are three in a row from Steve, but, you know, yeah. uh, you know, having those bases does allow that. So I, I, I guess that does add value, you know, and um, you know, in, in that regard, so, yeah, it's... Uh, you know, you can, and I know he, you know, he loves he loves an army project. So um, yeah, why not? Why not do something like
1: that? So the other the other side of the uh, priority role and um, Ashes of the Imperium, we've got uh, Dan Mitchell, Dan man, uh, Terra Dan on Twitter. So what advice would you give to someone looking to up their painting game from generic tabletop standard to the next level? Um, my response to that, and one I always stick by with armies, is. Um, choose something you choose something you want to improve or choose a technique that you want to use or an idea you want to convey so it's great to say right here's my army i'm really happy with it it's it's a decent tabletop standard but my next army i want it to be the next step up don't just tell yourself i'm going to paint it better because that doesn't mean an awful lot in the grand scheme of things look and go right I'm going to do this army and I'm going to focus on blending. I'm going to do this army. And I'm going to practice on some really clean line highlights. Um, I'm going to do this army and practice battle damage doing the chipping. That's what I would always say. Don't just go, right, I want to do a better army next time. It's right. What am I, what, what technique am I going to use next?
0: Yeah. um just coming off mute. Sorry, listeners. Um, no, sorry. you Keep on fucking stealing my thunder, man. Um, and again, you know, it's something that we covered off in previous podcasts. But yes, pick a, pick something specific that you want to work on. Whether it's, you know, whether it's a technique as you mentioned before, or an effect, or you know, whether it's conversion, just conversions or whatever. But pushing your basing, main,
1: free doing freehand. Yeah, you know, doing, um, the main spending time on decals,
0: decals, yeah, the, the decals. The main. Th- <clears throat> Excuse me. The main thing, and it goes back to what you know. You know, we've spoken about our previous podcasts with myself personally. Is you know, may, maybe it's not an effect, maybe it's not a technique, but maybe it's a criticism of a previous army. So, uh, as I said, you know, with, with the with the Wood Elf mixed order, fucking whatever you want to call it. At this point, we're going to refer to it as my. Wood Elf Army crowning, from now Farm.
1: Crown, crowning achievement.
0: Yes, um, is the, the biggest thing was contrast and and pop, it, you know, making it pop, and so that was the one thing that I, you know, for whatever technique that I use, for whatever, you know, whether I was, you know, because obviously when you're painting a new arm, you want to improve the overall thing so you want to get better at your blending you want to get smoother transitions all the rest of it. but if there's one overriding thing if there's one thing sort of hanging over you is okay well i want to make sure the contrast is good on it i want to make sure it pops on and make sure i'm pushing my edge highlights you know to a suitable point um and that's kind of that's that's what you want to take away and and right you don't want to overwhelm yourself with too many things and but that's not to say that you can you can't improve the other little bits and bobs, but I, I just think you know whether it's it's kind of a subjective thing. So you can say look, I I just want my army to be you know I you know, I, you know I'm you know I want my Zinch army. I, I you know, the overriding thing with me with my Zinch army is that I don't want to walk away from any miniature that I painted thinking I couldn't have painted that any better. That's the over- sure. and that's why it's taken yeah. so fucking long. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because everyone is, you know, I've painted the five pink horrors that I've got in in my army to the best ability that I could have ever painted those pink horrors at that time. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, I've painted the Gaunt Summoner to the best ability that I could, have, and so that's the, you know, it, it might be a might be a broader um, goal that's the line that I drew in the sand for myself it might be something as simple as right where I'm going to try using gloss washes you know on my metallics so my metallics pop a bit better or I'm going to try blending on all the you know glory swords what they used to call them back in the day you know where you do the the blending you know the the, the high contrast NMM style blades on everything do you know what I mean you know which is mm-hmm. yeah, probably yeah. pretty much what I did on the silver Death, you know on my wood elf army whatever i really Mixed up what I'm calling them, um, <laughs> uh, but you know, and, and, and you know, or, or even if something is, I want to every single model in the army I want to be converted in some way, even if it's a even if it's a small kit bash or or whatever. Again, you know, the, there's there are a couple of you know, there's probably only five or six models in that um, Wood Elf army that aren't converted. Yeah, um, and the dryads. You know, the the rest is everything else is converted. Um, so that's another thing that I, you know, took away. So you can say, you know, you can say three things, you know, more, more, you know, it's like anything, isn't it? With, 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 with managing your time, with work, whatever. If you have more than three objectives on any given project, the fourth, fifth and sixth objectives are always going to fall off the table. You know, stick to three key things. You know, I'd say that would be my point, you know, perhaps maybe one for narrative, one for modeling, one for painting maybe or you know however you want
1: and to break I, them down and i think we've it that. from what you've said as well actually it answers dan's next question um and what i've kind of hinted at is what are the biggest mistakes you see painters making when they try to improve and that is taking on too much you know or just being too vague and unfocused with what they're doing you know you can't just say do your next army so we'll, we'll finish up with dan's final question which is quite a nice nice one which is what's your favorite citadel color and why Rob, what's your favourite Citadel colour? How
0: long have you known this question? Because you probably been not answer it <laughs> I, 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 I knew mine to... anyway. Well, for me... Go on, you go, you go with yours. For me, it's
1: Mephiston Red. Oh, yeah, good shot. Because ha, ha, for, for so many years, painting red um, has just been a ball ache. Um, you know, I spent way too many years of having just flat having to paint red over a white undercoat, which I don't like a lot of the time anyway. And Mephiston Red is just a beautiful colour. It's a it's a darker red, but it's got such a strong um like, like strong almost orangey red tone to it still it's not like corn red where it starts to lose that vividness but it's such a beautifully strong red and it loves um you know an agrax wash um or an army tone uh, army tone strong tone ink um and then when you reapply the mephiston again you get this beautiful deep red and i absolutely love it and the fact that you can just do a lot of the time just one pot one one coat application straight out of the pot phenomenal paint uh made has made my life immeasurably. There's loads of other paints I love using, there's colors I like, but Mephiston Red, I think it just as a paint nails it. Absolutely nails yeah. it.
0: Yeah. I think that's probably one of the, the the best paints that GW do and and um it was that and Retributor Metqu- for me. Yeah, I was going to say a shout out to Retributor because that although it's um it's not quite the same um Chemical mix. I don't think as the other paints, and it works works really well with aluminium medium as mm-hmm. a thinner rather than water. So pro tip, you know, um, you know uh, any metallics, you know, if you're going to be using them, don't use water to to dilute them because it separates the, the metallic pigment, but use use aluminium medium. But I think with um, going back to paints, I think one of my favourite paints were they're almost similar in. Sort of kind of similar in in hue and tone, um, but I love Ink Darkness, and I love Dark Reaper.
1: Sure, I yeah. think
0: um, the, I those get paints, those two
1: confused when I've been using them on a project.
0: Yeah, and, and I think I'd, the only thing that I'd probably take Ink Darkness over Dark Reaper is. I think I'm just checking my. I
1: think it has more it has more applications because it's dark, good with what, dark blues.
0: Yeah, dark well, reef, reef is great the, blacks. Yeah, dark reef is a layer as well, whereas Ink by Darkness is a base. So there's, the by is slightly more pigmented, um, and I think um, just because it's, and, and it's, it's the one thing that it works really well with reds. So um, um, as I mentioned, and it was, a, it was a tip that I picked up with uh, from Darren Latham's video on uh, painting blood angels. Is to actually uh, glaze the recesses with Incuby Darkness because it has that green in it, because, yeah. but it's not a vivid green, and used it to um, paint the well, glaze the recesses on the Pink Horrors, um, and you wouldn't, the you know, again we covered it in another podcast previously, but you you'd you'd never notice it unless I pointed it out, but it creates that that contrast and just makes the pink so much more vivid, and it goes back to. You know, always saying about, you know, shade adding the contrasting color into the shade. And you think of red and green as being a Christmas tree. But when you, when you start messing with the hues and actually thinking, okay, well, to darkness is, it's a, you know, it's probably as green a blue green that you're going to get. Yeah. yeah. And it, it's really heavy, you know, and it's, a, you know, the hue is a lot darker. So it actually doesn't, you know, it's not as, um, sort of stark necessarily is, is using perhaps something like Castle and green or Caliban green to, to, to contrast against the red. So, yeah, I really like that in as far as its technical application. But I think my favourite colour, just as a colour, um, and it's a new one, is the Phoenician purple because it sits between, like Xerius purple was, was always a favourite, but there just t- seemed to be a little bit too much blue in it. Um, whereas Phoenician purple is pretty much the emperor's children, bang on from the artwork, um, and I just love—I just love that car I've got in my hand now, and it's—it's it's a little bit it, it look—it's a light—it's lighter than Zurius purple, but when you look at it, it's quite—it's it's almost like the um, the purple that you'd imagine. It's very similar to our logo. In fact, I <laughs> mean, it's that sort of like, like that an '80s electro. kind of yeah. yeah, the electro purple and but it, it's not as gaudy as that. I don't know. There's just something about it. And Barrett and our Burgundy is very similar. I'm looking at that now. That's yeah. that's like a, that's almost like a darker scream of pink. Um, I, I apologize. Then,
1: then... I must say, I apologize to all listeners for Rob's squeaky chair noises.
0: Oh, so I do apologize. Yeah, my apologies. But um. The um, but there are some, you know, and I, I don't know if people have uh, obviously people would have explored the new, you know, obviously there's a big thing made about the citadel color um contrast range, but they it, it almost kind of slipped in under the radar where they've introduced a lot more there's a lot more base colors and layers as well, yeah. Um, and they've kind of expanded the range so you've got Barrett Narberg, the Phoenician purple. Things like Vulcan Green and Sons of Horus Green that just weren't there before, um, and Sons of Horus Green I'm looking at now. That's that's a lovely that's a lovely uh, off off green kind of color, um, and there's some more metallics that are in there as well. And they've moved a lot of the um, edge colors uh, from the old edge set into actual paints now. So Blue Horror, Fulgrim Pink, all those kind of things are actually layer paints now rather than edge paints because i always thought the edge paints were slightly too thinned so you couldn't it's always easier to thinner paint than it is to bring it back i love um, I,
1: those i i love those edge paints
0: absolutely yeah i, I think they're, they're a bit too i just, i don't know i just love messing with some stuff out of the pot a little bit more just let them dry out they, yeah. <laughs> yeah well yeah no problem with, Not with uh, this, this weather. The pots. Yeah, yeah Um you know, there's some good stuff, but I'm always a sucker for the the burgundies and the purples. I think they're, they're you know, along with the reds and stuff, they're really satisfying colours to work with, especially when they're base paints, when they're really highly pigmented. Yeah, so then. So, your favourite paint is about five paints? Uh, I'd say, man, Incuby or Phoenician Purple. I'd, I'd still go with Incuby Darkness, sure. I think. Awesome.
1: Right. Well, I think that'll do. We've answered all the listener questions. So thank you ever so much for for sending those in. Um, I must say apologies to Ollie. I know you did put in a late one after I said we were delayed. Unfortunately, I got completely lost in my Twitter feed before I got a note of it. So apologies, mate. If you can resend it, we'll make sure we cover it on the next episode. But, yeah, that'll be us for a couple of weeks. And um, fingers crossed, Mr Gilmore may well have a, a small uh, bundle of joy in his arms. Um, and um, so we're unsure whether he's going to be returning to record with us in the future. Um, but, yeah, that, that's it for another episode. And um, we look forward to speaking to you again in a couple of weeks.
0: Bye. 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 tied in the mezzanine we were free no strings on you no strings on me i was a cannonball and you were the sea. when i crashed into your blue dream we were free time takes no
1: prisoners you'll see (laughs) you <laughs> The thought of a spark could start a fire Two-top and faded jeans Is how we forget how we desire We were...